Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We come to you live on YouTube here at 9 o'clock on the East Coast on April 1st of all days. Uh, there are uh, times in your life that you remember where you were and what you were doing when things happen, whether it's historical, family-related, or whatever. Uh, Greg Barnes, certainly today is one of those days. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was sitting in my dorm room when news broke that uh, Dean Smith was retiring, and uh, I was I was actually sitting at my kitchen uh, counter when I heard the news of, of Roy Williams retiring. So certainly, in in the life of of North Carolina athletics, this is uh, an incredibly important day. Uh, it's a sad day for a lot of different reasons, but uh, Roy Williams has has led North Carolina through just a, a tremendous period of time 18 years he arrived in 2003 after people thought that the chances of of getting Roy were gone once he turned down the job initially in 2000 Uh, and he really kind of rescued the program because it was on some some um, not so steady footing at that point in time and what he's done in the past 18 years has really confirmed and elevated North Carolina to I think what a lot of people would would consider the, the best job in college basketball. And now that he's decided to step down, uh, there's not an heir apparent uh, staring us in the face like there was with Roy. And so things will get interesting very soon. Indeed, that is the uh, thing that probably has the Carolina fan base up and hackled up as much as possible. Ross Martin, you were there. Uh, set the scene for us this morning, or excuse me, this afternoon at, at 4 o'clock after everybody heard the news and filtered their way to the Smith Center. Okay, yeah. Uh, press conference is at 4. It, it's one of those moments you kind of – Mac Brown hiring was pretty big, but this one just had a, a bigger feeling. Even in a pandemic, there was really no mention of, of any restrictions. Only media was left in, whether it was let in, but the um, everything was separated six feet. You had tons of former players, tons of uh, Dean Smith era players. You had media from across the state, saw Winston-Salem TV trucks, Charlotte TV trucks. A lot of people I didn't even recognize, uh, having been on this beat for uh, six, seven years now. So it was the who's who of the media there to cover that. And, of course, Joe Holiday, assistant coach Joe Holiday, uh, Dick Bedore was there, Phil Ford, Al Wood, um, Tyler Hansborough. I mean, it was – it was a big deal. It was a big moment. And what I thought was really interesting and uh, pretty cool was when Roy and Wanda and kind of Steve Kirscher and all those guys walked in. It was on a Carolina blue carpet. It was like a king coming in to, to step down from his throne 
in the Dean E. Smith Center as he walked into um, the press conference. I kind of stood up and turned around as Roy slowly walked onto the podium and the presentation began. And then kind of the same thing as he left. Um, he took questions, had a statement, took questions, and it was a very emotional press conference. And he left on that carpet uh, holding his wife's hand. And it was, uh, it was very dramatic, um, super emotional press conference. I mean, I was, we were front, Greg, Greg and I were front row, no big deal. And, um, it was, I mean, it was emotional when you, when he was on the borderline of tears and talking about all his relationships and the family and his kids and all the coaches, and all the players, he was name dropping so many people. It was, it was very, very emotional, but you have to expect that from Roy Williams, who is a, a super emotional guy and, it was everything you would expect from a, a, the massiveness of that moment and the emotions of that moment. Indeed it was. I remember Dean Smith's retirement, uh, you know, way too vividly. And that certainly brought back memories watching this one thing about Dean Smith. You had people hanging in the windows to try to see in, you had the, the room packed in there. Um, and then sort of Roy in the surreal moment, I actually, I was surprised that it was in person. Um, and so I'm glad you guys got the, got to be there and see that Gregory Hall I'll bring you in and, and if you're watching this on YouTube um, just so you know everybody that's Gregory Hall uh, Taylor Viplis, Joey Powell Greg Barnes Ross Martin Sherelle McMillan and Luke Buxton um, and of course if you're listening to this on the podcast audio version tomorrow which would be Friday you missed out on a great time on the live channel Gregory um, you, you, we spoke a little bit before this started tell me about covering that press conference today yeah um it just felt good to be like ross said just to be there in person for a start i mean you're walking in and you're we're used to seeing socially distanced chairs and and things spread out but i mean i got to see greg in a jacket i mean you can't beat that right nice little snazzy jacket ross had a little like, ascot scarf whatever you want to to call that but no it, it was it was really cool and you could tell with all the former players um assistant cb mcgrath Wes miller those guys were there. Marvin Williams, Tyler Hansborough was there. Just a whole bunch of people. Phil Ford. Um, it was really cool leading up to it. There were like a few fans outside beforehand and even afterwards that were kind of waiting out, maybe try, hoping to see Roy um, or things like that. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk to anybody that was out there, but they were out there and just kind of milling about. And then when Roy walked out, I thought he was going to walk out with Bubba and um, Kevin Guskowitz. Um, I, they were all kind of standing back there, but then Roy, I guess they let him kind of walk out by himself. Um, and I think that was part of what he said in his opening statement, just about it being the last time he walked through that tunnel as the head coach of UNC basketball. Um, and that was one of the times that he visibly got choked up while talking. Um, there was maybe like one or two more, but I think that was the biggest moment is when he said that. So just overall, you could kind of feel the emotion that was in that building today. Um, and it's one of those things where you kind of wish a lot of things where you wish COVID didn't exist, but today, if they had opened that up to the public, it would have been an even cooler experience, but even being there today was the, one of the biggest, I mean, it was the biggest press conference I've been at. Um, I thought the Mac Brown one was really cool. Just that was obviously the non COVID world and seeing all the boosters and just Mac Brown having this presence um, that we all know he has, but then today was just extremely emotional. Um, Roy obviously cares a lot about what he does and that's obvious and we all know that, but it just kind of was brought to another level today. I thought. 
Taylor, I'll jump in with you first since you were the second in this Zoom with me and Gregory. Um, I got heads up shortly after 10 and, of course, believed it was an April Fool's joke, texted some friends of mine, and they cussed me, obviously. Uh, and then the IC chat or the IC text came in confirming it. I either thought Ross is sick or this is real, uh, to be honest with you, when I first got that text. But, Taylor, tell us how it hits you, brother. Yeah, for me, um, I kind of have a different perspective of it because I didn't grow up with North Carolina basketball. Um, my earliest memories of Carolina basketball don't date back to before Roy. So when I was growing up in New York, like I fell in love with Carolina basketball and basketball in general, really, because of the teams I got to see with Roy Williams, the 2005 team I was in like fifth grade, the 2009 team. I was in uh, ninth grade starting high school and then obviously uh, going through uh, college and seeing those teams where the last game I saw was the Villanova game as a student. So for me, it felt really personal just because it feels like you, you know Roy on a deeper level just because of how, how well connected he is to the university, how well he cares. Like he would come into our football practices and he would know people on the roster he would go to the baseball games. He would go to lacrosse games. You could see him everywhere. And you know how much he cares about the university and how much he loves North Carolina. So I think that was another aspect to it. And then I think the other aspect to it is I, I love basketball. I've started coaching within the past couple of years. And like I, I, I would say I look up to somebody like Roy who runs a program the right way and does everything the right way. And I remember I met him uh, for the first time at a game last year. Um, it was the school I'm at now, PVI, and we were up against uh, Stepanek, RJ Davis's school in one of these like slam dunk to the beaches. And at halftime, um, once halftime went and the coaches, we all started like going back to make adjustments. I was like, hold on. I have to say something to Roy real quick before, before anything happens. And I was like, Hey coach, I, I have your book. And uh, I just want to let you know that like, I look up to you and I appreciate like everything you do for, for North Carolina. And he, he was like, if I was you, I'd, I'd find a new book and find somebody smarter to learn from. So I think that's just kind of shows who he is. He's this humble person. He's a hall of famer with 900 plus wins and he, he's a down to earth person, just like anybody else. So uh, it was, it was just an emotional day, I think for everybody involved with North Carolina. That's a great point Vip about uh, the younger crowd being that way with Roy Williams. Of course, the older guys like myself and, and maybe Joey, Joey, I work with you. I'm not sure how old you are, but Dean Smith was it, you know, since I was born. And then we, and when he retired in 97, that was it. Um, so I certainly see that angle with Coach Williams. It's a little different with the older people. But, Greg, I want to bounce back with you. Um, and we can all discuss this, but I, I definitely – I know you've got a ton of work to do and get back to it. But let me just be honest with what I heard from Roy Williams today. It sounded to me – and pardon my language, that Roy Williams is sick of the shit and what he has to deal with in 2021. Is that fair? That's, that's a good point. That's one way to take it. Um, you always kind of go back to in 1988 when Roy Williams was set to leave for Kansas. Uh, Dean Smith and his wife 
had Roy and Wanda over for dinner and told Roy a lot of things in terms of, of guidance and advice. But one of the concerns that he offered was that uh, Roy had always taken losses too hard. Um, and I think that's always stuck with me. And I, and I think anytime you watch Roy Williams and the team struggle, uh, he kind of goes back to that. Uh, I posted a column a little while ago kind of detailing some of those instances where in 2010, he's talking about the low of 2010 being worse than the highs of 05 and 09, uh, just because he's trying to hold himself to such a high standard. And the last couple of years, th there's been different reasons for why North Carolina has struggled. Um, he, he tended to blame himself for some coaching decisions, although when you start going through some of those coaching decisions that he laid out, uh, I, don't, I don't know how, how much those hold water. Um, I asked him specifically about the one-time transfer rule and name, image, and likeness, and if that played a role in his decision. And he dismissed that as I kind of assumed he would, but uh, I had to ask. Um, but with the fact that he's talked so much in recent years about how the game has changed and how players have changed, you know, he used to joke uh, that, you know, I am not of their generation. And he used to be funny. But the more that he said it lately, uh, the humor was kind of gone, I, I felt. And it kind of speaks to your point, Tommy, that things have changed. And I really believe it's a situation where um, he either had to make a change in how he did things and what he believes and the system he runs and how he recruits and all those things, or it was his time to retire. And I don't think he was willing to make some of those changes because he wasn't exactly sure how to do that. Maybe he wasn't familiar with it. Um, and so, therefore, he, he took, the, took the road of going ahead and, and, and retiring. But I think what kind of drove that is North Carolina struggles just the past two years and how he wasn't able to reach the players the way that he wanted to. And he saw that not as a reflection of them, but in his inability to reach them. Um, and as he said, you know, it's not his job to stand in the way of progress, even if he doesn't see it necessarily as progress. Times change. And if the players, you know, if, if this is kind of a shift forward uh, that he's not comfortable with, then I understand his decision. Um, but he, as I said, he, he's always had a hard time with, with losing, with accepting defeat. And that, that was my takeaway from the day is that he, uh, it should have been a celebration. I mean, this is one of the best college coaches in history. And yet he, he really took the opportunity to kind of beat himself down and, and blame himself for, for recent struggles. And uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll be fair. I'll be honest. I have a hard time with that, but it is Roy. I understand that's how he is, but that was kind of my takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I was going to jump in here. <clears throat> it was, it was kind of sad. He was going through the losses that, that really hurt him. Every loss last season that they, uh, the six games they lost by a point or two in the last minute or whatever, um, going back to the decisions that he made, not telling his players to foul against Clemson in 2019-20 or, or telling him to foul against Duke or, or all those different decisions. And it, it made it seem like he thought he was losing it a little bit mentally, which I thought was bizarre. And I don't know. I mean, I've always thought he remembers so many things and he's so sharp. But to hear him say that, that he recognized that maybe he was not as sharp as he used to be or that he didn't have that edge that his team needed 
to get them motivated. Um, it was just a, a self-reflection he had that what he was doing, he wasn't pushing the right buttons, he said, with his players. That stood out for me because I we did go into the press conference kind of thinking, you know, Greg and Shroud and I were on a podcast earlier today kind of talking about it was the name and like name, image and likeness stuff, the transfers, the uh, NBA draft, all the changes in the college game that may force him to retire. But in reality, it seemed like he just thought he wasn't the right guy now to do the job. Um, and he was maybe losing his ability to be the best coach in that moment. And it was it was sad hearing him talk about it. Yeah, like Greg says, it's supposed to be a celebration. Here he is talking about losses, you know, over a year ago that he still thinks about. Shows you how much he cares about winning and um, and how important it is to get his players to perform and get the maximum out of his players, which I guess he thought he didn't get the most out of his players the last two years. Because um, the team's had some great players. It just fell short on both seasons. For me watching, and it's changed a lot, um, covering stuff for inside Carolina. But for me watching when he said, um, I just don't feel like I'm the man for the job. That was the, whoa, that, that, that's deep there. Go ahead, Joey Powell. Yeah, man. I, I'm probably the most, uh, sentimental guy on this group and hearing Roy just self-flagellate for a full hour was tough. Uh, you know, Greg and Ross both alluded to it a little bit. If you think about, what's happened to Roy in the last five or six years with losing his mentor in Dean Smith. And we all know what happened with, uh, with, with Dean's, uh, you know, mental, uh, mental state and the, um, the issues he had with, uh, with a near dementia condition. I guarantee you that probably made Roy's any mental slippage or aging that he had was probably magnified four or five times. So when he, he saw his mentor go through that, uh, you know that probably weighed on his shoulders that anytime he felt like he wasn't able to live up to his standard, it was probably elevated in his own mind. And, and then you combine that with the fact that he's always been his own worst critic. You know, he, he used the line about, uh, I care more in my little pinky than, than anybody else does. Uh, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And as, like you guys said, it was as painful as it was to listen to, it was the most Roy thing possible for him to say today. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you ever doubted, that pinky question or that pinky point, he certainly pounded it into the viewers of the press conference. Luke Buxton, um, another guy that has been all Roy pretty much the entire time you've been on the earth. Um, talk to me, man. What was it like seeing that today and thoughts going forward? Yeah. I mean, they started out very peculiar. It was in a class with Sterling Manley, who was presenting on a book that he researched in the middle of his presentation, he said, I have to go. I have an emergency meeting with the coach. And at that point, we were like, what's up? Something's going on. And I got text from VIP. And I was like, okay, I think uh, I think we all know what's going on here. Um, and then in the press conference, yeah, as, as, as you mentioned, Roy Williams is synonymous with Carolina basketball. I know nothing else. I was three years old when, when Doherty retired. Roy Williams was the first coach I know. I went to his basketball camp for three years. My like shining moment of childhood is when I got absolutely lucky we on a crazy 25 free throw hot streak, won the free throw championship and heard him call my name. Can't hit two free throws in a row. So don't ask me, but that was like the crowning jewel of my childhood. He's right on the front of my desk. So to hear Roy kind of go out in the way he did, as we've all mentioned, is really tough. I think it's tough also, you know, I'm friends with a decent amount of players on the team who came in on that stretch where no one wanted to come to Carolina, like guys like Sterling. Garrison, Playtech. I just kind of feel for those guys because I think there was just a little bit 
uh, of a misalignment between them and coach, which ended up in, in two, you know, one bad season and then one non, you know, Carolina season, a mediocre season. And I feel like it was really tough for those players to sit there and listen to the reason why coach was retiring was because he didn't have it two years ago. And even if coach was so great about this is not their fault, this is not to blame. It was really tough kind of on either end. Like as you're a player, you're a senior, junior coming up through those years, you probably feel a, a, you know, a big end of kind of his retirement. And then Roy, to see my coach, the guy I've, I feel like I've grown up with, who's my you know, third father figure, to beat himself up. So I, I don't want to reiterate kind of what we all said, but from both the player side and the Roy side, I just wish it didn't go out in a COVID season and also with kind of the way that the two last seasons went. Indeed. Uh, earlier today, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Ross Martin's emergency pod with Greg Barnes and Sherelle McMillan, uh, go check it out after this one. It's on the Inside Carolina podcast feed, and it's worth listening to instant reactions and all. Of course, pre-press conference, Sherelle, um, talk to me about uh, your thoughts here. And, and you know, at some point, we got to start looking forward because uh, the, the future comes up really fast these days. The future waits for no one. Uh, so it was shocking to say the least. I think um, as the news started to spread and we started to hear things at first, you kind of go through, I don't, don't want to say the stages of grief, but you kind of go through like, wow, it's April Fool's Day. Of course, this is a joke. And it's like, no, actually this is happening. And then it's like, you see it and it doesn't quite register. It is very surreal is the word I kept using uh, with Ben and Greg and Ross throughout the day. Um, Cause it just doesn't, it doesn't quite seem real yet that Roy Williams is done coaching at UNC because like you said, for Luke, that's all he's ever known for Ross. That's mostly all he's ever known for a lot of people. That's all they've ever known. They don't remember uh, Gregory Hall. They don't remember um, Roy Williams at Kansas, you know, like to them, that's a, it didn't happen. It's like a, it's like a dream somewhere or something. Uh, so I think that's part of it. And then I, same thing, I'll just repeat what I said this morning. The, the lows and the depths of the where the North Carolina program was when Roe Williams got here um, cannot be uh, like overstated, like how bad it was. I mean, players were going to leave. There was going to be a max exodus. Uh, you know, they went several years without uh, beating their rival down the road. Um, they had one NCAA tournament win. Uh, over the course or two excuse me two NCAA tournament wins between 2000 and 2004 Um, you know just futility that you don't expect and that isn't common with the North Carolina program he came back you know he kind of got everybody into shape they won a national title and then you go into the kind of one of the golden stretches of all time for UNC basketball so to me um, I will always think of him in that regard um, as kind of you know, the, the second coming of Coach Smith, for lack of a better phrase, we know he wouldn't like us to say that, but, you know, he's as close as you're ever going to get, you know, if, and I'm really going to get in trouble now, if Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, then everybody says, well, Kobe Bryant's the next best thing. Roy Williams is kind of the Kobe Bryant to uh, Coach Smith, in my mind. Like, you can find people who are close, but that's, you know, it's, it's right there. You know, uh, so I, that was my first impression, just remembering where North Carolina was when he got here and how high he got them uh, during that stretch. Um, you know, the last two years were definitely tough. Um, and then I don't know, I, I got uh, emotional is not the right word. I just started thinking about like, what if 
I, you know, I've been raising my daughters and we've been doing a great job. And one day we just come to the realization that we're not the best parents for them. And I was like, man, that, that would suck. Like just, just, you know, flat out. That Stop, would be dude. awful. That would be awful. And I think that is, you know, obviously children and, and players are different, but I think that's kind of how he felt. Like these people who he's loved and nurtured all this time, you know, he's like, I'm not the best thing for them anymore. And that had to be really hard to accept. And um, I don't know how he did it. I wouldn't have had the ability to do it, but, um, you know, props to him for doing it. And I think um, it's, you know, we'll see what happens with UNC basketball moving forward. Be careful what you ask for, people. You know, a lot of people wanted this and it's here now. So uh, it's on you. <laughs> Tro, with, with all due respect, if, if Kobe's Roy, we're putting Roy fourth. Where who's, who's the LeBron? Who's number yeah, who's, I, I, who's I, I, Braun? Like okay, the king. Skip. Come on uh, now. Okay, Skip Bayless. I'm so, sorry. But just a big bunch of haters on rail, man. <laughs> I, I am I sorry. Going, he knew it. No, he knew. What he I'm was a LeBron doing guy too. He That's brought the thing. up Kobe. <laughs> Let oh, Sherelle live. Look, 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 okay, okay, okay. The point I was trying to make is, whenever people will say like, "Who's the person who most you know kind of resembles that person and how they do things and how they play, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Young folk. Make me sick. I was going. I was going to say if if Dean is Jordan and Roy is Kobe, who is LeBron coming down the pipe? Um, I'm gonna let another special guest in as we're talking. Um, and, then, uh, and to all 656 of you watching live right now, which is I, I think our best is like 157. Interact with us in the chat. Throw in your questions. questions. We've got oh Brian's over here watching Watch. me and yeah. uh, in at the same time. Oh, look um, at the hair. Mute yourself, Mute yourself Ryan. Ryan. Look at that hair. Yeah, come on, come on. man. ACC Network specialist over <laughs> there here. There he goes. Um, ask questions. We'll try to get to as many as we can. And, uh, yeah. Hey, I'll, add, I'll add this off of Shrell. I mean, three national titles, uh, national championships in the last 18 years, more than any other coach or program in that time period. The, the, the amount of talent that Roy Williams brought in. I mean, Shrell talked about it on our previous podcast. That stretch, um, you know, 2005 to – 2009 with uh, obviously that team with, with Sean May, Raymond Felton, Rashad McCants. He didn't recruit those guys, but that talent going into the Tyler Hansberry years, that was a stretch of Carolina basketball. That's going to be hard to ever match. I mean, I, that was when I was in school um, and UNC would beat teams by 20 points, ACC teams by 20, 25 points every game. And you think about kind of where it is now where, where you know a lot of games are pretty tight down there at the end, but it was a dominating basketball powerhouse during that time led by Roy Williams and um, they rolled teams and they were bringing in talent left and right. And they kind of used that to, to get to Kendall Marshall and John Henson, Harrison Barnes, when those teams were awesome and just continued on. And the, the two final fours in 16, 17, it was just an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented level of success. And uh, yeah, be careful what you wish for with other coaches, but uh, he's a legend and um, it's an incredible stretch of, of success uh, for UNC basketball. That's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how UNC navigates that and then how the college basketball landscape kind of plays out with this new era of UNC basketball, a new era of college basketball. So Brian Ives has joined us. Um, he's the stat guy. We have Adrian Atkinson. And, uh, I'm on and, that level. <laughs> and he wants to uh, – well, he wants to be on that level. Brian. Brian, I think you have the stream up if you want to – Yeah, you got to mute or, the audio or, there, Brian. or something. I don't have anything up. It's all I got up. Hang on. It's all good. It's live. Maybe it's me. Is that better? That's probably yes. it. Perfect. Can you still hear me? 
Yep, gotcha. Sorry. So uh, put it in perspective for the for Carolina fans. Like uh, Ross said, be careful what you wish for. Um, whoever's next is going to have a mighty tall hill to climb uh, to even remotely get next to the mountain that is Roy Williams. Yeah, I don't think people um, appreciate sometimes what Roy Williams brought to this program or Kansas, to that matter. Um, arguably the most consistently high-level winning coach to ever coach in college basketball. Um, he had the highest winning percentage of all time for a long, long time. Uh, Mark Few has since passed that, different scenarios there in Gonzaga. <clears throat> but um, if you think about it, I mean, he had, what, 29-20 win seasons? 29-20 win seasons at Kansas and North Carolina. And if you think about the blue blood programs that have had to replace co coaches before, it's not easy. Like you talk, uh, like someone on Twitter is like, Oh, it's just a blue blood. They run themselves. I'm like, no, they're blue bloods because of the coaches. Um, so when you think about, I mean, uh, Dean Smith, you know, Bill Guthrie's fine, you know, fell off a little bit. That didn't go that smoothly. Think about Kentucky. I mean, does anybody remember Billy Gillespie? That was a complete disaster. You think about Kansas, Kansas is really the only one that has kind of navigated it really well from Larry Brown, although Larry Brown got in trouble, but he won a title, uh, Roy Williams to uh, Bill Self. Think about that. UCLA, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, they're in the final four, but no, they're not. They were. Indiana hasn't been, literally has been to two, I'm 33, it has been to two final fours in my lifetime. So you, you think about that. It's not easy. Like blue bloods don't run themselves. So um, it's not like, oh, we'll come get a guy and UNC will keep being good. No. It's going to be really hard to replicate what Roy Williams did. What gets me is people say, oh, the school recruits itself. Yeah, I'm not quite sure that's accurate. Greg Barnes, uh, Bubba Cunningham had a media press conference at 7 tonight, and I know all you guys were involved. And, of course, if our listeners can check the, the premium. It, look, let me say this. If you're not an Inside Carolina premium subscriber right now, I don't know what to tell you. It's like you're a unicorn. You need to get on there to see what Greg and Ross and Sherelle and Luke and Gregory and everybody else, you know, Joey and I sometimes, Sherelle's what everybody right else now is. now with sources. Look at Sherelle. He's, he's talking to the next coach right now. He's on the phone with sources. <laughs> I know. Sherelle looks like he's in the war room. He's actually inside Carolina. You're going to get all the scoop. <laughs> this is the best time to subscribe. We got spring football. This is like when Woj breaks a trade Woj, on Yeah, SVP. Woj and Schefter ain't got nothing on Sherelle. It's like when Schefter's <laughs> like on get Sherelle, up. Woj, Schefter. And Shem Sharni is down there somewhere. We're going to get Greg. like, we're going to get the scoop um, like two minutes before it happens on TV. Greg Barnes, though, Bubba Cunningham, he's got himself a hell of a job ahead of him, doesn't he? He certainly does. And, and to Brian's point right there, which I think is a, a very valid one, uh, college basketball, more than a lot of other sports, especially more than football, is a head coach driven job. Uh, Roy Williams is, is known to be. Uh, What's, what's the proper phrasing here? He likes to do things his way, um, and assistant coaches help him in different ways, but he runs the show. There's no question about that, and uh, Bubba understands that, and so that's why this is such a critically important uh, task ahead, and I will say that because we are coming out of, of COVID, we're coming out of a year where the NCAA uh, was not able to have an NCAA tournament. Uh, they, they had a lot of losses last year. Uh, when you factor in that a lot of these programs were not able to have fans for both football and basketball, financial implications are present. They're front and center. 
And so you can't mess this up. I mean, you have to be able to capitalize and make sure that you're able to pack stand and uh, draw interest for the years to come. And, and Bubba is a businessman, first and foremost. Uh, the fact that he came from Notre Dame, he understands uh, all those things. And I think that's very important. And so there's a couple of things that I want to point out that he said uh, that, that people need to understand. Number one, uh, I asked him if somebody had to be part of the Carolina family to be in consideration for this job. No, they do not. Um, you know, I think understanding and appreciating what the Carolina family and the Carolina program is about is important, uh, but they're not going to be required to have Carolina ties. Um, as he said, the goal is to pursue championships, not to check little boxes like that. And so I think that's something to look forward to. They're, uh, they're, they're casting a wide net. And he did say that he keeps up with sports and basketball like the rest of us do. So it's not like he's got some you know, hidden option tucked away, right? I mean, we know who some of the potential candidates would be. So he's got a pretty narrow list of guys that he's looking at. We'll have to wait and see how long that takes. But uh, he, he recognizes that this needs to move along pretty quickly when you factor in the, the one-time transfer rule that should be taking place here in the next two weeks probably. Um, so you want to have somebody in place relatively soon so you're not uh, fighting upstream once transfers and all those things occur. Uh, the other thing is that Roy Williams is involved and that Roy Williams has already shared his thoughts on the process. Um, I found it interesting that Bubba said that he's, he's had conversations already, I think he said three, three nights this week with Roy, you know, trying to get him to stay for one, but also in terms of kind of the, the path forward. The other thing I think is important is even though North Carolina is not using the search committee, it's really going to be Bubba and, and uh, Chancellor Guskowitz who run this thing. Bubba is going to lean on a lot of the UNC ties in the industry. And he said he's already kind of planning to talk to or has talked to people like Phil Ford, Luke May, Marcus Page, guys all over the spectrum to kind of get an understanding of what's important for this program, what's needed to adjust moving forward. Um, and so I think a lot of people, let me say, say this as well. During the football search for Mac Brown, um, we knew pretty early on that, that Bubba was not interested in going for an assistant coach. He wanted somebody who had experience and who had done it. He made that point several times again tonight uh, that while everybody's going to be on the table in terms of possibilities, his preference is for somebody who has done it before, meaning a head coach. Um, so when you wrap all those things up, he, he's got a plan in place. Um, you know, it's not something that he's been sitting on for three weeks because he didn't, I don't think he really knew the plans three weeks ago. It's, it's much more short-term than that. Um, but he understands what he wants to do. There's not really going to be limitations on his approach. Uh, and he, he wants to get this done quickly. So I think all those things are good news for this program uh, to have somebody like Bubba running the show. Uh, and, and hopefully North Carolina fans will be happy with the end result. Hey, Greg, you, uh, you gleaned a lot of the same stuff from Bubba's statements than I did, that I did. And I know you and Ross and uh, Luke and Gregory spend a lot more time talking to people like Bubba than, than I do. But it shocked me a little bit that he mentioned the NBA today. Was I just reading too much into that, or do you feel like there really are NBA guys that are on the table here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think basketball is one of those unique games where um, I mean, it carries over, right? I mean, you obviously don't want to get a high school coach, but 
a lot of the guys in the NBA level, NBA level can, can coach. The only difference is recruiting. Um, but if you're able to bring a guy in, I mean, I think Jawan Howard at Michigan, I think changes a lot of things. And there's always, every so often, there's a coach that comes in who shakes things up. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, we can do that. Um, and Jawan Howard's ability to recruit, I mean, he knows the game. There's no question about that. Um, and I think here's where things get interesting. As I said earlier, Roy Williams has always kind of been the figurehead. He's always run the show at North Carolina. His assistants help, but he's the lead dog. What we've seen at some other locations, however, is you can, you can get risky with your hire, uh, who has a lot of potential, as long as you make very strong assistant coach hires. And so if, if that's part of the equation of saying, okay, you know what? I'm just going to throw a name out. This is just, this is not nothing. This is speculation. Let's say you get Wes Miller. The concern with Wes Miller is that he doesn't have a lot of experience. He doesn't have the experience at the major conference level. Well, then maybe you bring in somebody who has a ton of experience at the major college level as an top assistant. And so you can bridge some gaps that way. Um, and so I think that's what Roy's, that's what Bubba's looking at. There's a lot of different avenues that you can go to get to the same result, which is to win, win championships. Let me, let me dive in here real quick. And this is for kind of Sherelle and Greg. When he said he'll, he'll, you know, anybody who's the best person for the job, the right fit at this time. And then he also talked about the Carolina family. I mean, how honest and realistic were those statements you think in the Bubba press conference? Like, is he going to feel pressure to get someone in the Carolina family if it's not the right fit? I mean, how does he navigate those avenues of the politics of the job, of politics of finding the, the right person and the politics of, of satisfying the Carolina family and everything that goes into it? Because he is calling members of the Carolina family uh, starting today, trying to get uh, perspective on that. I think it's a super interesting thing, uh, and especially with Roy Williams involved as well. Uh, Greg and Sherelle, if you want to dive in. I'll say this real quick, then I'll hand off to Sherelle. There's certainly going to be politics in play just because the family tree at Carolina is so strong and the, and the family bond. Um, that's a good thing most of the time, but when you get in situations like this and politics come into play, it can be challenging. Um, you know, Dickie Bedore was a Carolina guy through and through, and I think, I think he was maybe pushed in certain directions easier than what uh, Bubba will be. But I'll say this, as I mentioned earlier, financial implications. Uh, there are plenty of people in the decision-making process who understand that the right hire has to be made. It can't just be, oh, we're going to appease uh, some former players or, or some fans that want a, a Carolina guy. They understand what's needed. You're are, you certainly are going to have people who just want a Carolina guy to have that, that, those ties. And that, that's part of the deal. You, you understand that. Uh, but you're just banking on Bubba being able to, to balance those things and make the right decision without pissing off too many people. Sherelle, you're taking there. And, and let me say something that really caught my ear with Roy's statement. Roy talked a lot about somebody taking a chance on him when he was an assistant with no experience at Kansas. And he talked about how he has made his feelings known who should be next in line. Um, here at Carolina. Sherelle, um, your thoughts on those comments and then on what Ross asked earlier. I think um, it's a situation where <clears throat> the connective tissue uh, that is UNC basketball is spread over, you know, 60 or 70 years, right? And um, it's very hard if you haven't been bred in that, if you haven't 
experienced it to come in fresh and understand it and uh, really thrive in it. I mean, Matt Doherty was someone who was as true blue Carolina as you can get. And, you know, to be honest, you know, for whatever reason you want to say, he failed at his job. And he, like I said, he was as Carolina as you can get because he didn't quite understand the depths of which um, the familial ties and um, the culture went with UNC with, you know, changing assistants and people talked about pictures that he put up and, you know, all, all that good stuff. <clears throat> so I think when you talk about the right hire, I don't know that the right hire and also competing for championships immediately are synonymous in this particular instance. And I know that's not what people want to hear, um, but I think Carolina as an idea is so much bigger than just, you know, Coach Smith or Roy Williams or any particular individual. And I think the former players will definitely be um, uh, keen on making that known that, you know, you cannot just come in here and change everything about this place. And I think for someone coming into it fresh, that's probably what they would want to do to make sure that people understand, well, this is my program now. Um, so there's going to be that, you know, pull and, and, and tug back and forth, I think, going on with it. So that's why I, I don't know if the right hire, and it sounds so weird, if the right hire is necessarily the best possible coach. It has to be someone who can come in and understand everything that is Carolina, like the politics you talk about, um, everything that, you know, from uh, controversies that have been on campus to uh, former players and, and coaches and style of play, I think is gonna be a huge thing too, whether or not people wanna admit it. Um, I don't think certain styles of, of, of offense, defense and, and principles <clears throat> will work at UNC. I know that sounds crazy, but I just don't think it'll work. I think there's a certain brand and a certain style um, that is synonymous with UNC. And I think a lot of people will want to preserve that. So all that to say, um, you know, the, the, the best hire isn't necessarily the right hire, I think. That's what kind of where I would leave it. And to add on, we asked Bubba today, what's the connection between all Carolina coaches? And he said someone who can connect with the players and can connect with the place. I think when, when you look at the people he's, he's hired, the ones who've been really successful, Mac Brown, Courtney Banghart, Chris Miltonberg for, for track and field, they've all showed a deep care for Carolina. And I don't think that necessarily means you have to come within the family. Obviously, Mac was here before, but Banghart and Miltonberg were from you know Princeton and Stanford. I think the key is someone who will come in and really give it all to the school and is not here to make a name for themselves. Um, so I think it was really interesting perspective when, when Bubble was talking about the connection between all the coaches. And Luke, to that point, that's what a lot of uh, people in the chat have been saying. It was like, look, obviously Carolina family is important, but the Carolina family is so powerful, bringing an outsider and make them a part of the Carolina family. And if they can embrace that, then that makes the right hire, which is, I think, exactly what you were just saying with uh, your two examples that you gave. So I don't know. We'll see. So, Joey Powell. Yeah, I got a question for uh, Brian Ives or watching you. Um, one of the things I think that everybody loved about Roy was the, you know, the dude was just so consistent both at Kansas and when he was at North Carolina. Percentage-wise, if we're looking at, you know, other potential hires, who's going to even come close to that? Because I think that's the, the misconception that a lot of Tar Heel fans have is that, like there's this instant patch that can just come in and, and bring everything back full circle really quickly. Who out there – has even close to the, the winning percentage that Roy Williams had all time? Mark Few. <laughs> um, all right, next question. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> Mark Few. Um, 
uh, Bill Self, but I mean, that'd be hilarious. Um, that's about it. I mean, Jay Wright's getting there, but he didn't have the start that many of these that Roy didn't many coaches, but no, there's not many coach K. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Tony Bennett, you're talking about certain styles won't work at the university of North Carolina. Look at the name, Tony Bennett, that style would, would not cut it at the university of North Carolina. It's not how they're going to play. Um, those type coaches have it, but simply there's not none that you would immediately say, all right, that's, that's, that's a guy Carolina can go after. Um, not even someone like Chris Beard, who probably is out of the equation now, his style doesn't fit. And he, you know, Texas Tech, you know, it's just there's really nobody, um, nobody that jumps out right away that has had that type of winning on that level. Wes Miller, I think UNCG is in the top 15 or so winning percentage since he took over in the country, but certainly not on that level, um, the high major level as as Roy's. There's quite frankly, in terms of someone that would be considered this job, there's nobody. Hey, uh, what about this name? Nate Oates. Ross is well, a big fan of Nate Oates. He's, he's already picked a fight with Coach K. Oat milk, baby. <laughs> Muscle I mean, man. I'm seriously, Oates, Ives, what do you think about Nate Oates? Just, just throwing it out there. Um, I think people who have been clamoring for a change in philosophy on offense would love it. Um, I'm not sure he's a fit. Um, with Carolina and what they stand for and things like that. But, you know, that's my opinion. What's, but that, in mean? Terms of, What's that mean? In terms of, I, I don't know, you make it that what you will. But I don't think <laughs> – Come I on. I don't think he I, – I think stylistically he'd be a lot of fun. He'd be great. Run and gun, shoot a lot of threes. You know, you like seeing you like seeing Caleb shoot 10 threes, wait till he shoots 20. So, you know, it's <laughs> – I mean, it. we'll see. I mean, I, I think he'd be a lot of fun style-wise, but I'm not sure if he'd be the, the guy in terms of – Doing everything off the court. Let oh, wait, me... wait a minute. I can shoot shots. I uh, mean, I can get oh, up 23s a night. We can all make... shoot. Like Roy said, you want makers, makers not, not shooters. shooters. Makers, yeah. not shooters. We've thrown a lot of names out there. And why, when we're talking about the UNC family, why does Wes Miller's name come up more than Jared Haas? Is it just straight what he's done at UNCG with being able to build that program? Even though, I mean, Stanford's a power five school. Why Wes Miller's name more often than Jared Haas? Jared Haas isn't a Carolina guy. I mean, he he's a Roy guy, but he's not a Carolina guy, right? That's why. Yeah. I also, I think if you would ask, if this had happened, let's say Roy announces a decision in November, I think Jared Haas at that point would have been a real hot candidate. Stanford was actually looking really good. You know, they played Carolina pretty well. They did good in Asheville. They had, um, they had a talented team, but they fell off a cliff late in the season, a complete cliff. Um, I honestly think if they had had a more successful season, there'd be more chatter around him, but he's just, ne- he's been okay. You know, I don't, I don't think, you know, he's been up to the level that Carolina fans would like, but if you would ask, if this had happened three months ago, I think his name would honestly have popped up a little bit more than it is now. That's an interesting take. Let me do this. Let me, uh, show Luke Buxton the door. Shout out to Luke. Got his vaccine today and he's struggling a little bit. Um, I will tell you, Luke, that the second dose, um, if you got the Moderna, the second dose makes you feel like you can't decide if you're hungover or sick. Um, I had mine on Tuesday, and that was the feeling yesterday. But get well, buddy. Uh, appreciate I got the J&J one shot, just hit a 101 on this guy. This is Carolina basketball. This is Roy Williams. Come on. Where did you put that thermometer? Oh, okay. Come yeah. on. You don't need man. to bore him with the details. Yeah. Right. That's a – Hey, be good. 
Feel better. Let me take his boys. Come on, it's nine fifty. Oh, we're about to. Let's take. Let me do Johnny T-shirt first before we get loose. Uh, Johnny T-shirt, Johnny T-shirt.com, certainly sponsors of this podcast. Great friends of Inside Carolina, and definitely deserve your support as they support us. Uh, you can get plenty of swag, Carolina basketball swag. Uh, that they probably got some Roy Williams T-shirts if if you want one bad enough. Uh, and they certainly have got the baseball gear and all the tailgating gear you could ever want. Look premium subscribers i've already told you you need to get on the bus um and if you subscribe to inside carolina you get 10 percent off your johnny t-shirt order and they bring it to your door support johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com please and rate us review us and subscribe i'm letting the national guys pay the bills uh when we come back we're gonna get more into it and we've got another special guest joining the pod we'll be right back all right, boys, we're back. I don't know what you call this. Inside Carolina Special Edition Podcast. I'm going to click this admit button and let a guy in. Um, of course, got Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, Taylor Vipolis, Gregory Hall, Sherelle McMillan, Joey Power, Brian Ives, and now Mr. Dewey Burke joins the show. Um, Dewey, I'll bring you in immediately if you can hear me. Nod your head if you can hear me. Well, business. Yeah. Gotcha. What's up, guys? I – uh. I texted you early this morning, and the word you texted back, Dewey, and it sort of stuck with me, was devastated. Um, appreciate you taking the time to join me. I know what you think of Roy Williams, but just sort of tell us what you're thinking. I'm already, yeah, I'm already getting emotional, getting ready to start talking. Um, it's a hard day. Um, it's a hard day for all of us, and um, it was hard to – um, read and listen to coach blame himself and, and talk like he failed when he's done nothing but succeed, um, for all of us. Um, that was tough. You know, I, I hate that, you know, he feels like he, what he said, that he's not the guy to do it anymore, but if there's more to it than that, obviously, but that's how he feels. And, um, I'm just sad guys. I mean, I'm just, um, very emotional, uh, sad, had some, a lot of emotional phone calls today. And, um, at the same time, that feels like a selfish feeling because that's about how I feel. Um, and if he's happy with this and this is what he wants to do, then, and he's going to spend more time with his grandkids and Wanda and, and, and Wanda's wanted him to retire for a long time. I don't think that's a secret. Um, I, he, he is tired and his body has given him problems and he does love to play golf and all those things. Um, but it's a hard day guys. It's a hard day. Yeah. I appreciate you. Uh, like I said, taking the time to come on here. I know how it's been for you guys and we've talked about it before you joined that Carolina family is thick and Taylor, I know that you are buddies with a lot of guys, did the Inside Carolina podcast with Justin Jackson over the last several months. Uh, talk to us about what you've heard from those guys. Yeah, from the former players, it's just a – the vibe I've got is just a general sense of appreciation and gratitude towards Coach Williams. Um, you look at a guy like Brandon Robinson, one of the first things he said was, like, I, I was grateful that – Coach Williams saw something in me that maybe I didn't see at the time. He took a chance on this skinny kid from Georgia and he let him live out their dreams. Like when, when we were all growing up, everybody's dream was to play at the university of North Carolina for a coach like Roy Williams. 
And for these guys, they were able to live out that dream. And a lot of them achieved success at the highest level. And I think, I think you don't have to look any further than what coach Williams means to some of these players. than somebody like Marcus page, his senior night speech. Like when I, when I, I was there that night, I rewatched it today. And I think that video kind of says it all in two minutes or however long it was about what coach Williams really means to these players. Like, obviously he's a hall of fame coach. He's one of the best ever to do it, but like, what he means to these players off the court, it's, it's beyond words and they can't ever repay what he's been able to provide for them. Go ahead, Joey. Do we, um, I think one of the things a lot of fans saw today, I know when you Greg and, and Ross mentioned it earlier was kind of just the, the brutal honesty that Roy Williams showed today, you know, even in press conferences, he's always got a little bit of a guard up. And I think today, finally, fans saw what you guys saw in the locker room for so many years about just how bought in and how much he lived being the coach at North Carolina. Uh, what's kind of the reaction from, from – I know you shared you know, how, how tough it was to listen to as somebody who played for him. What's been the reaction from the rest of the guys that you've talked to around the team today? I mean, are, are, they, are they struggling to hear it, or is it one of those things where they just feel like it's – it's who coach is and, and they're trying to, trying to move on just like, just like you are. Yeah, Joe, I think you make a good point. What, what you saw there in that press conference, that raw emotion and that feeling is how he would be after every loss, after every loss, he would be emotional. He'd be brought to tears. And I'm talking about December against Kentucky and March against Georgetown or, 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 you know, every, every loss he took like that and blamed himself and I'll do better for you guys. I need to do better and come, you know, come to the summit with me, but I'll do better for you guys. And you just, you cannot, you cannot help, but want to rip the nails out of the floor for a coach like that. And and how we all feel, I can't, I don't know the current guys. I don't know, I can't speak negatively or positively about them as people in any way. But that he had to effectively re-recruit most of this roster in the last couple of weeks is a foreign thing for him. What he is used to and thinks of when he thinks of his players is Tyler is Marcus page. Those guys that would rip the nails out of the floor for him and do anything for the name on the front of the Jersey. And I think it's changed some, the game changed, the profession changed. And I, you know, in some sense, he probably just said, I don't know if this is for me anymore. And didn't he didn't adapt to it. And so that's why he feels like he failed is what he's saying. Um, I don't know. I, there's some there's some there's some of that in this. Right. I think that's a fair a fair thing to say. And so those of us that revere him, love him like a second dad and have those emotions I felt like someone died today a little, um, which sounds crazy. It's a game, but like for us, it's 
it's like it's the it's the most important family we're a part of other than our family and so it feels like you your grandfather died that's how kind of how it feels Greg, to, to that point, Greg, and, and Ross, you can come in after me. Um, you, you've got – right after Wisconsin, it certainly looked like a guy that was about done. And then the last couple of weeks of, you know, rebuilding, repairing, uh, basically rescuing the roster, um, I think that's – to Dewey's point, He's, he cares so much about the players. I think that's where it kind of like, no, nah, he's not going anywhere this year. Um, I mean, that's what's so surprising of this, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, it is because I, I think, as I've said before, um, you know, if you go back to the NCAA investigation, Roy was adamant that he was not going to leave anybody in a situation where they had to climb out of that. He was going to do that himself because the program meant that much to him. Uh, he even alluded to it today that he wasn't going to leave after 14 and 19 because that was you know, his problem to clean up. Um, I've always thought that when he left, he would be doing what Dean Smith did and, and hand off, a, uh, if not a final four team, like, like Dean did with Bill Guthridge, uh, that he would be handing off a team that, was going to be very good and had a potential to be very good. Um, and I don't know if how much that came into play for him. Um, I think this team certainly should be better next year. And maybe by having those conversations and getting some of the turmoil down um, where so many guys weren't going to leave that he felt comforted that, okay, things are going to be okay. There's an exit plan here for me if I want to go ahead and leave. Um, that's the only thing I could think, uh, you know, the fact that he clearly has been thinking about this a little while, you know, we made a big deal about him kissing the court after the Duke game. Uh, he downplayed that after the game. Um, but I think that kind of just shows that it's been rattling around in his brain for a little bit of time. And for whatever reason, what's transpired since the end of the season kind of confirmed that decision for him. I love the fact, absolutely love the fact, it is the most Roy Williams thing ever that he slipped in, that he played 36 at Augusta this week, and that he was thinking about how to tell his players in between shots. That is quintessential Roy Williams, uh, but it also speaks to the fact that this is something that he's really wrestled with in recent weeks, including recent days. Greg, you, Greg you, you break a 90 at Augusta if you have to play tomorrow and can't think about anything, you break a 90 at Augusta. I was going to ask the exact same yeah. question. See, what people don't know is that this is the week where it's all Masters the pros go. That's right. All the yeah. pros go to get practice rounds, and you can play as many practice rounds as you want this week. And so, yes, it is it is set up tough. I don't see any way that I'm breaking 90. He said, he said did he, he say he – yeah, he parred like the last four. Is that what he said? He said 13, 15, 17, 18. That's pretty strong. <laughs> Coach can play now. He, he, he's he, played Augusta like over 20 times, I think. I think oh, he, he's played it a ton. I was with him. We went on a golf trip last um Here we go. Last Speaking summer. Flex. <laughs> yeah, we went, went on a golf trip with Coach last summer um, to Pine Valley. Me and Tyler and Bobby and Wes and Jared. And um, I had a great time. And uh, he's so competitive. We had so much fun. And and, and that that's part of this. I may not be right, but it it feels like, and you guys can speak to this, it feels like the group that I played with holds a special place with Coach uh, in some ways. And so, you know, he Coach took one one golf trip last summer. 
because uh, of COVID and everything. He took one golf trip and it was with us. It was with, with me and my guy and my buddies. And um, that was pretty special. That was pretty cool. And uh, to spend all that social time with him and competitive as hell. I mean, he keeps track of everybody's score. Ridiculous. Wouldn't give anybody a putt. He made Bobby re-putt a three-footer that somebody gave him to protect the field, he said. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so all, all of us, I, I can't speak to other guys and other classes and everything, but all of us from 05 to 09, um, we just have a special bond with him. And um, that makes it that much harder to see him walk away, even though I'll probably see him more now. I'll see him more than I have since I played. Um, but, Dude, that le- yeah, that leads to my next question. Um, what were your, I mean, you just listed kind of your group of friends, the, the class that you played with, those group of guys. You mentioned a little bit, but what were those group chats and those calls and those texts like today? I mean, if you could share things, I mean, obviously people want to know. Yeah, what Bobby you know, and Tyler and all those guys want to we're thinking. You know, it's, it's hard because, because Wes is on all those too, right? And so that's a, there's a dynamic there that it's, you, you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's weird because while we're all talking about, and so is Hoots, by the way, right? So like you have a current staff member and somebody who, you know, is going to be in the conversation, it would appear. And then, and then you have us ex players and you have Tyler and you have Marcus in France and you have Danny. And it's just like a, it was a weird, just a weird day all around. I can't, I can't speak to anything specifically that would, would bear, repeating for the podcast that people would want to hear it's just it was a it was like a weird dynamic because it's like you want to talk about who you think it should be and are we talking to this are they going to call this guy and then we're going to call that guy and it's like oh man Wes is on here like we want Wes to get the job you know it's just like a weird a weird thing the the sentiment is that you seem sad I mean you seem the way the press conference went and and you seem you know yeah. Uh, not hurt, but but it's also a celebration of, of what a great coach he is and what a great man he is. And that's how maybe we thought it, it should have gone. And, and it did for a little bit in the press conference. But I don't know if, if anything that was, was shared about what a great career and what a, a amazing legacy he's left and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, all, all those things. And but like we also, you know, we feel that way every day, you know, so like, to, you know, today's no different from how we feel about coach and his accomplishments and what he did for us individually and as a team and our university and coming back when he did and all those things. Um, but what you said is true. Like, and Tommy, you know, mentioned it when I came on, you know, I was devastated this morning when I got the email from the basketball office and, and that is just how I felt all day. I just, I feel sad. Greg, you had a follow yeah, I just, just wanted to kind of expand on what Dewey said there. There is a reason, Dewey, that, that your group is so so highly thought of by Roy. Um, and I think that's part of the issue of what's going on now, because if you go back and listen to some of his comments about Michael Jordan, you know, it wasn't being around the shot in 82. It was being able to watch Michael Jordan progress over three years and go from being this kid from Wilmington to being this elite player who would go on to be the best player ever to play the game. Today at the press conference, he talked about Nick Collison being one of the reasons that he stayed at Kansas the first time because he had promised Nick that he was going to see him through. And him and his staff went, I don't know how long ago it was, a couple years ago to Oklahoma City, 
for his last game with the Thunder. And so I really think when you talk about your group, you talk about Marcus Page, uh, you know, Kennedy Meeks, Bryce Johnson, a lot of these guys that he's talked about over the years meaning so much to him, it's because he's been able to bring them in as, as kids and really help them mature and grow as young men. And that, more than anything, is what matters to Roy. It's not the wins. The wins are fun, and that's what he coaches for. But it's the ability to, to help young men become solid individuals who can contribute to society. And he talked about Buddy Baldwin doing that for him. And now all he ever wanted to do after that was to live up to Buddy Baldwin's standard. Um, and so I think there's a perfect reason for why he, he holds your group in such high regard. And, uh, and I think that's why with how the landscape in college basketball right now is changing, I think he's got an issue with that, with guys being able to transfer and wanting to transfer if things don't go right. The unwillingness to fight through adversity. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that, that was kind of a, an issue for him and one of the reasons that he probably made this decision. To yeah, me, reading and, and Vip, I, I want you to go next, but I don't know if anybody saw, or I guess everybody saw Jim Bayham's tweet about um, a former player that left recently. I, I just find that's interesting. And then Tyler Hansbro's comments on um, another podcast about that type of stuff. I mean, it's just a different world. But anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Vip. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Dewey, I loved hearing your competitiveness story about Roy, and it, it reminded me of a story I have. It's it's not on that same level, but um, last year I texted Steve Kirshner about trying to do a, a video with Roy Williams, and it was going to be uh, the same one along the lines of uh, the one I did with Coach Fedora where I gave him a name and he had to say whether it was a rapper or a racehorse. And I kind of just said it to Kirsch, not thinking anything would come of it. And like a day later, I got a phone call from a Chapel Hill number and it was Roy. And he was like, hey, hey, son, like, I want to play this game with you. Like, let me know <laughs> when we're going to get on the Zoom. So I sent him the Zoom link. And like once he's on the Zoom, he has like his notepad out, like to mark, like which ones he gets right, which ones he gets wrong. And he was like, I know I watched the Coach Fedora one. I saw Coach Fedora got like seven of 20. I'm trying to beat Coach Fedora so I could text him and say, Larry, I know more about rappers than you. So like just hearing hearing that from Coach, like yeah. hearing how competitive he is, you, you know that the past two years must have taken a toll on him when it is something he loves as much as coaching. And I, I had a kind of a, a question for you about the Carolina family, um, Dewey, where what is your sense with where the Carolina alumni kind of want to see this direction of the program, whether it stays in-house, if you could share that, if it stays in-house or they're going for the best available candidate, some mix in between, because the sense I get from just knowing uh, some people like around the program is that the the really old, like the Dean Smith guys, they're pretty resistant against getting an outsider and bringing them into this Carolina family. Yeah. You know, um, I've been wrestling with this thought, you know, a lot today. Um, if it was just about wins and losses, then you say hire the best guy. And I don't know who that is, um, but I think there will probably be somebody that throws their hat in the ring that maybe we we weren't expecting. Um, even if that's one of the names being thrown out there, Mark Few, Jay Wright, Brad Steven, you know, everybody's saying those names. I get it. 
Um, but if one of them actually was like, yeah, I'd say this is interesting to me. So for the wins and losses, you hire the best guy. Um, for, and this, what I, when I say I've been wrestling with this, this is what I mean by that is the selfish feeling is you want it to be like it's always been. And you want it to feel like it always feels. You want to be able to go to Chapel Hill and just walk in the office and say hi to the secretaries. And you, I can just walk in there and I can say, there's Huber, there's Sean's office, there's Huber's office, there's Coach Rob's, there's Hoots, and there's Coach. And if it's Hubert or it's Wes, that stays, right? And so this, it, that, but that's a selfish thing. That, that's a selfish thing, wanting it to be that. And so I don't know what the right answer is because my desire for Carolina basketball and the family to be what it's been since I was a part of it and after, the only way that's the case is if it's Hubert or Wes. Because it's just, it's just normal. Jay Wright comes from Villanova, I'm not saying he does or anything. It just won't be the same. And so if it was wins and losses, you hire the best guy. If it's about what we want it to be and feel like, then it's Hubert or West. But is that the right decision? I don't know. And that's where I, that's where I am on it. It's very, and by the way, and, and so are my friends that I've talked to. And so, I mean, I literally just talked to Bobby and we said, it's a, it's a battle between hire the right guy or the best guy or hire the Carolina guy, or is the Carolina guy the best guy? I mean, it, it's hard guys. To that point, Greg, let me ask you this question. Uh, we talked, I guess it was, Last week on this live on the beat podcast, we talked about um, is the goal to win national championships or is the goal to put guys in the league? And we talked about how Roy Williams was geared towards winning national championships and not the latter. Um, so to Dewey's point, Greg, um, where does this fall? Uh, does this does this go towards and I know what Bubba said in the press conference and I and I know I understand all that, but. Um, where do you think this goes when we start getting down to the brass tacks in this coaching search? Well, I, I think what Brian said earlier is spot on. And that when Bubba talks about fit, there is a fit for the North Carolina program. Um, and it's, you know, as Bubba said, and I, I completely believe Bubba on this because uh, I worked with him and covered him during the NCAA investigation. Uh, the academics matter, and you, you got to have somebody that comes in who understands that and puts a value in academics. And once you do that, you eliminate the notion of this one-and-done idea where kids can just come in and, and just kind of wade in the water for a semester or two and then go on their merry way. That's not what it's about. Um, now, if you have guys that come in who, who have that work ethic um, – and they end up being really good. I mean, like a Marvin Williams is a great example, right? He never had any intention of going pro after one year, but he was, he was so good that it, Roy had to kind of push him out the door. That's a different story. And so I, I really think there's a reason, Sherelle could expand on this. There's a reason where, why Carolina and, and Duke don't really recruit a lot of the same guys that some of these other programs do. Um, and I think that's, that's the kind of thing that we talk about when we talk about fit. There are certain types of guys that have to come in. They have to understand what Carolina is about. Carolina is about family, right? It's about legacy. It's about academics. 
And once you focus on those things, you really narrow your, your search down. Um, does that mean you have to remove some uh, maybe potential candidates who have a higher ceiling? Yeah, for sure it does. Uh, but it also makes sure that you don't get away too far from, from what you stand for. And that's always been a big thing for North Carolina. You know, Dean Smith built it that way. Roy Williams made sure to carry it through. And I think that will continue on, even though you know, Bubba, as he said, he doesn't have the background with Carolina uh, that everybody else does, which is why he's going to be leaning on Roy and former players and former staff and, and that kind of thing. And Greg, everything you just mentioned, obviously when it comes to this hire, Bubba wants the perfect hire. And there's a lot of factors. Like, I mean, we've been talking about this for over an hour. People have been speculating all day. So this is kind of a question open to everyone. Bubba said in his press conference that when talking about timeline, he didn't want to give us a date. He said, cause he didn't want to miss that date, but he compared timeline wise to how quickly they hired Mac after Larry, obviously different circumstances, but that's what he said. And that was about the fastest hire that you could probably ask for. And I don't imagine that we're going to get a press conference on Sunday saying, Hey, we have a new head coach of North Carolina basketball. We could. So just open question wise, how fast does this need to be for the players versus how long, like what's, what's the balance of for this current team and filling the roster because obviously people are leaving versus making the perfect hire and not having to turn around in a year or two and not having another Doherty situation where you're looking for another guy in two to three years. Where's the, where's the balance there? I see Sherelle ready to go. Yeah, this is really a tailored. I, see, I, see I opened moving. it to everybody for you, but I really wanted Sherelle's take just to make that clear. Well, the first thing is there is no perfect hire. Let's be clear. The perfect hire just retired. So that's, that's where we are with that. Um, really in the history of Carolina basketball, you know, Roy Williams was the absolute, only person really to be able to lead the program after Coach Smith. No disrespect to Coach Guthridge or Coach Doherty, but Roy Williams was the absolute perfect hire. Like when UNC football hired Butch Davis, you know, um, after Coach Bunning uh, was, was let go, there was no one who said, this is not a perfect hire. It, it was perfect. And Roy Williams was the same thing. He bred from uh, Coach Smith. You know, he had experience. He had winning experience. He can recruit. He did everything. So let's be clear on that. There's nobody even close in the same realm as Roy Williams was, you know, 18 years ago. Um, but I go, I keep going back to kind of what Dewey said and what we talked about earlier. It is, is the right guy, the best guy. And I, I just, I don't think it is with this coaching search for all the reasons that we um, mentioned before. And I, I think, um, they have to do it quickly. Uh, so it has to be someone that they're already kind of familiar with um, because just, you know, the phone's been ringing all day. And I will say that um, there are already folks, you know, people on the team who, who have said, you know, they kind of feel like they're in a transfer portal because they're in this, they're in this kind of limbo about what do I do? Um, you know, I'm a Carolina player, but am I a Carolina player? Because I don't have a coach, you know, so um, they have to do that. And then they have to fill out the roster too. Let's not forget, you know, depending upon, a couple of decisions that hadn't been made yet. They only had eight or nine guys on scholarship. So they have to fill out the roster too. Um, so, I mean, this, this, is a, this is a decision that cannot wait. I mean, this is the utmost urgency. It cannot be a, a 14, 16 day type deal. Like it, I, if we're not talking about a new coach this time next week, I, I personally will be surprised because I, I think 
and I'll just put it out there. Okay. I think I think it's going to be, you know, um, the coach at UNCG, or I think it's going to be an assistant at UNCG. Boom. Um, and I think that only, again, because it's North Carolina. There's so much more to being the basketball coach at North Carolina than just coaching basketball. Um, and, you know, the right guy isn't necessarily the best guy. Um, and, I, I, you know, the other thing is like, so, okay, so let's name who we would call the best guys, quote unquote, like, okay, Jay Wright, Mark Few, um, you know, Billy Donovan, who else? Brad like, Stevens. Brad Stevens. Okay, okay, great. So if those guys say no, do you really want to hire like some okay coach from some okay team? Or would you rather just go with someone who knows North Carolina, who knows the program, who understands the culture? Um, so I, I think maybe you make those calls, those four guys, they say no. And then you come down and you say, okay, Wes Miller, Hubert Davis, make a decision keep it moving move forward so That's, not nate oats is what you're saying. i was i was gonna say is the okay school <laughs> coach for the okay school mr oat milk over there i have i have no Dude, comment Charles bringing the heat man this I is have, what we I have no comment on nate oats this let is what me we uh, for absolutely and, and let me to that end let me ask dewey a question and dewey again i appreciate you joining us here on inside carolina special edition podcast the rory retirement bizarre say, say that five times real fast tommy yeah no i'll do it on saturday the, it's bizarre, uh, but Dewey, um, I've always said, and this is since I was at Carolina before that, Carolina's different. It's not, you don't just walk in from the outside um, and join it. Dewey, what do you want to see happen? I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, look, um, I love Hubert and I love Wes. Um I, I, this is an honest statement. I, I think Hubert Davis might be the nicest human being I have ever met in my life. I mean, he might be the nicest human being I've ever met in my life. That guy doesn't have a, a, a mean bone in his body. Um, but it, for me, um, I would love to see Wes get the chance because I know how much it means to him. I know how hard he would work. Um, I know he feels like he was born for it. Um, he feels like he can do it. He, he, he believes he can do it. And I think he could put together a great staff. Um, and so I'd be so thrilled for him as a, you know, one of my best friends and someone I graduated with and someone I just saw four days ago, he came out here and skied with me. Um, a lot's changed since then. Um, Where'd y'all ski? Where'd y'all ski? Vail. We went to Vail. Yeah, it was good. Pine um, Valley and Vail. Jeez. The life. <laughs> trying to do it right. Um, so, yeah. Look, you know, if, if, if I had to, you know, make a choice, you know, of course I would choose Wes. He's my guy. And it's like any one of you guys having your college best friend or high school best friend being up for something it was important to you, you'd want them to get it. And uh, that's certainly how we all feel. And um, on the same side of it, if it's, if it's not him, I worry for him emotionally, you know, being so crushed by not getting it. And I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, and I don't think he would mind me saying it. Uh, it's his dream. And, um, but the funny thing is, is if it's not him right now, that doesn't mean it's not him another time. And we all learned that with coach coming back uh, the, the second time that, you know, after he said no, Coach Williams. So um, certainly my vote is for Wes. That's taking nothing away from Hubert. Um, 
but he's, you know, we're brothers. And so that's what you would wish for your brother as, as would any of us. Well, say there, Brian Ives of Inside Carolina intern fame. So Gregory, uh, this dude down here on the screen with the hat on and the green shirt, he is the, uh, the standard of Inside Carolina interns. Brian, from a national standpoint, uh, what's going to happen here? Um, I don't think, uh, based on what Ralph said, I would probably agree. I mean, I have no idea, but I'd agree. I don't think it'll have that big of implications on any sort of national you know, wheels turning in terms of coaching carousels. I was curious, like the Celtics are three games under 500 in like two months. If they happen to fire Brad Stevens, wouldn't that, you know, it's just, it's, I'm just putting it out there. That'd be wild. You know, if he's suddenly out there, but, um, but I would think an NBA team would snatch him up pretty quickly anyways. But um, from a national standpoint, I don't think this will likely impact much. Um, I, you know, for, in my opinion, um, Dewey, if you want to pitch, pitch our guy West, you know, since he got it rolling at UNCG, they're 14th in the country in win percentage. So um, Carolina's in the 30s in that span. So, you know, he's doing pretty well there at UNCG. Not an easy conference. And mind you, I want y'all, there's been two SOCON coaches to come to the ACC in the past three or four years. Steve Forbes at Wake, who I think is going to do actually do pretty well. I, I, I like him as a coach. And uh, Mike Young at Virginia Tech, who had a great year, coach of the year. So let's not act like, SoCon, oh, he hasn't he hasn't coached a big enough program. Let, I, that's tough. I mean, at Virginia Tech and Wake Forest are not North Carolina, no. But you can have success in the SoCon and translate it into success in the ACC. I don't think that's far fetched at all. But um, from you, a national you, perspective, you I don't think I don't think it's going to have much impact. You can, and, and all I can tell you guys is he's up for it. You know, I don't know if he's going to get it, and I hope he I hope he has his chance to shoot his shot in the interview room. Uh, but he's up for it. He can do it. Uh, I believe that he's got the ethic. He's got the temperament. He's got the ability to do the stuff on the court, but also in one conversation, sit um, in, in the home with an inner city kid. And then the next conversation with a booster, he can do that. He has that skill set. He has that CEO level uh, mentality. So um, we're, we're putting yeah. the, the, putting the horse ahead of the car or cart, whatever how it goes, cart ahead of the horse. But go back and watch a UNCG game. If not, I mean, if you haven't watched a West Miller coach UNCG game, it's he's changing defenses every three possessions. You know, he, he's really active and really into the game. Um, and so I would suggest any fans that are curious about who could be next Carolina coach, go back and watch some UNCG games. It's it's pretty impressive how hard West Miller coaches. Yeah, and you also, brought up go ahead. Sorry. Uh Brian, you brought up Steve Forbes, and this has really nothing to do with coaching coach or anything, but multiple times this year, Roy Williams has mentioned Steve Forbes and been like, look at the what, like just what with what he's done, regardless of Wake's record. I don't necessarily, I just wanted to point that out. Roy has been very high on Steve Forbes. Um, so I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I also <laughs> think um, going off a point Dewey made, it's interesting to hear him say that somebody like Wes is up for the job with how big it is. And because from, from when I've talked to people around the program, there's almost like a fear of who's going to be the guy who follows a coach as successful as Roy Williams. So it is exciting to hear if it was somebody like Wes that he, he does have the confidence in himself to follow somebody with as big as big shoes to fill as a, as somebody like Roy. So I thought that was just an interesting point too. I want to throw something out here and I don't know if this is a Greg Ross, Sherelle, Dewey, whomever 
uh, has some insight on this and wants to answer the question. You know, we talked a little bit about Bill Guthridge's kind of uh, bridging the gap between uh, Dean Smith and, and, and Doherty slash Roy Williams. What about Steve Robinson? And where does he fall here? I don't think Coach Rob's going to be a candidate for the head coaching job unless he wants it and you know, and then of course I'm assuming he'll get he'll get he'll get a look but where does coach Rob go here do we feel like he's probably going to ride off in the sunset with Roy or uh, would he potentially stick around to be a bridge for any new coach uh, that's just a perplexing question for me because I I've always heard players speak really highly of coach Rob and he does have D1 head coaching experience and he's been a really good right-hand man for Roy Williams for a long time so anybody wants to jump in on that feel free Nobody wow. wants to jump in. Not everybody at once now. That's that's fair. Yeah. All right, thanks. Dewey, well, yeah, your thoughts on Robinson, I guess. Yeah, look, I love Coach Rob. We all, we all do. And, you know, he, he in, in some ways, was always the bad cop to Coach Holiday's good cop kind of thing, um, which you needed. Um, he, he's tough. He's tough on, on us, on guys, um, but also is beloved and is an incredible recruiter. Um you know, I don't know where his head is. You know, he, him and Coach Williams are extremely close, extremely close. You've heard Coach call Coach Rob his brother on several occasions. So, I don't know. I mean, it would not be unreasonable for Coach Rob to say he's tired too. And, you know, he's worn out. He's been in, in the game a long time. Um, I have no knowledge or anything, and don't misconstrue this. I have no knowledge of it but I, I don't think he's in, in the conversation for being the head coach. Um, but I don't know that, but uh, coach Rob's great. And um, you know, he's a, he's a father figure to a lot of guys, just like coach Williams, just like coach holiday was when I played. Um, it will be very weird to look on the bench and not see coach Williams, coach holiday and coach Rob. That would be, that would be very strange. Yeah. Joey, I think what what's important here is that the coach Rob is going to be, I think 64 by the time the next basketball season starts. Um, and, you know, as we all know, Dean Smith kind of set it up uh, back in 97 to be able to hand off a final four team to Bill Guthridge, knowing that Guthridge was only going to coach for a few years and then they would take a step forward from there. Um, as, as Dewey said there, uh, no indication that that's kind of what's in play here and that North Carolina is going to go through a, a full search. Now, that doesn't mean that, that Steve's not in contention. You know, if he expresses an interest, then he'll, he'll be included in those conversations. Uh, but I think the best way for him to have gotten this job is for there to be some type of handoff like that from Roy to him to kind of set up a gap, and then you go to another coach. Now, I, just, I have not heard anything to suggest that UNC is interested in doing that. Um, so he certainly can put his name in the hat. Bubba said tonight that anybody on the coaching staff uh, that's interested, you know, he will talk to him about it. But, but that's about the extent of what I know. And I, I don't know anything about, you know, potential plans for him, but I do know, and, you know, hopefully we'll have something up tonight or in the morning that he is still very much working uh, for UNC. And um, yeah, we'll have something up. That's uh, kind of where site. I was going is, yeah, is, is he, is he the gatekeeper? Is he kind of the bridge during this transition even if he doesn't decide to be the next coach or, or want to throw his hat in the ring for the next coach. Thank you. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if he is, but he's definitely is, is still um, working for you and let's put it that way. And hopefully we'll have something for everyone late tonight or, or in the morning. 
Well, I don't mean to put you in the spot. What are, what are other, what is it? What has the team been saying? I don't know if you've talked to anybody, be it players or family or whoever, like, you know, what's their bits of reaction there? We see the tweets, you know, and everything, but have they, you know, has anyone been reaching out or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I think, um, choosing words carefully i think uh they've gone through some of the things that the fan base has gone through um the initial shock of you know we can say like during the meeting um there were people who thought like everyone else it was an april fool's thing um and they were kind of like you know shut up stop and then they realized that he was serious and it kind of went from there um i think from there there were some there were emotions uh because you know it's a huge thing uh, to have someone that you care about, someone who is helping you mold yourself into a better person. And, and for a lot of those guys, hopefully an NBA player. Um, so that there was some emotion there. And I think as the afternoon went on talking to people, it was kind of like, okay, we've accepted this. So what's next? Um, I would say that probably was, you know, maybe right after the press conference. Uh, I think the press conference really um, touched a lot of people um, people uh touched a lot of people let's put it that way people you might not expect uh were were reaching out and saying wow i can't believe he said this or i can't believe he said that and uh it was just interesting to see how many folks reached out after that and like i said from there it's just like so hey what what are you hearing about this and i heard this and just kind of folks trying to exchange information and and figure out what's going on because like i said uh some of those guys feel like they're kind of in the portal because they don't know um who the head coach is going to be so they're you know, worried about their future, but also wanting to be at UNC. They're, they're like everybody else, just trying to process and go through the different stages to see what's next. That's something I want to get deeper into in just a minute as we're listening. We're at about an hour and a half on this Inside Carolina podcast, uh, live on YouTube. Appreciate everybody that's joining us. I think we got a close to a thousand folks in the chat and certainly plenty of questions. But I want to ask Dewey Burt one last question before he needs to get out of here. Um, and, and it's been a long day, Dewey, but I wanted to ask about um, the support from the Carolina family, if it were a Carolina family member that assumed the position of head coach at North Carolina, whether it's you know, Wes Miller or Hubert Davis and all, uh, just sort of describe that aspect of all this, because, you know, we've mentioned Jawan Howard, and I know it's not a Michigan guy per se, but Phil Martelli comes in, and he's sort of a, a guy that helps uh, Jawan Howard and probably does a ton of the coaching um, at Michigan. How does the Carolina family fit for the next coach, if it is a guy within the family that maybe not as experienced as some folks might would like, but how does the Carolina family um, sort of ease that transition, ease that into it um, when they take over, if they take over here shortly, I would think? Yeah, well, the one thing you you can reasonably assume is that both Hubert and Wes have no – there's no ill will from, from former guys or alumni towards either of them. So they're going to get the same level of support um, that pretty much everyone gave Coach Williams, you know. And, and you know, within the family, there's there are – look, there are Dean guys. There are Roy guys. That's a thing. But – um, I think they would have the, uh, overwhelming support of, of almost all of the guys, um, in wanting 
our program to be shepherded along in the manner we all hope it will be um, with class, with dignity, with, with academics being important, as Greg said. And, um, and then also if it's Hubert or Wes, you're going to look over on the sideline and you're going to see familiar faces. And if it's an outside guy, there's no guarantee of that. And it would be hard. I'm, it would be hard for me to watch our first game next year and look over there at a pick your name, Billy Donovan, a Jay Wright and see his staff and say, I've literally never talked to any of those human beings. If that were the case, that would be hard for all of us, I think. Um, so with that being the alternative, I would, I would say most of us are going to want it to be one of those two um, so that we can have that familiarity. And it's back to what I said before. That's a, that's a selfish, that's a selfish feeling because you want it to feel like it's felt for the last 18 years. Um, what's right Hard to say. Um, I would not want to be in Bubba's shoes. It's a hard. It's a hard spot. And it's career defining for him, which is which is difficult. Um, but they'll have overwhelming support. Is my answer, Tommy? Good stuff, Dewey. I appreciate you joining. I know it's been a tough day. Um, we'll talk plenty as this goes on. I hope you will come back and join us whenever we uh, get a coach and. Uh, get some finality on what's going to be next for North Carolina, but that's been Dewey Burke folks. Dewey, appreciate it. Thanks Dewey. Thanks guys. Thanks Dewey. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Everybody, you're still listening to the Inside Carolina Live podcast. It's been a, a fun when we got Joey Powell still here. Gregory Hall, man in the wheels. I think we got over a thousand. Over a thousand people are in the chat right now. And if you guys, I don't know if you guys are over there reading the chat, but it's except, entertaining. Ross bright eyes. Ro- it's the bright eyes power right there. I, right. Ross I tweeted out a way to wear these in here. Because we got over a thousand. <laughs> he, he and I have to shotgun because we got to. It's the case. Dewey Burke power. It's the Brian Ives. Brian Ives is an, as national media guys. Let's not forget. So uh, this has been like a not a single, like a quadruple night, type Jeez. of night. Uh, Greg Barnes is still Greg, working. Yeah, Greg's Greg, still in the office. Greg, I can't believe you're still with us. Uh, I was told to get you on early so you could dip out and get some work done, but. 
let me ask you about timing and Sherelle's talked about timing and Sherelle, I'm coming to you in just a second to talk about recruiting, but as far as timing, what's realistic here? Uh, realistic. I mean, I think let's put it like this. Bubba said that as of tonight, he had not made contact with anybody because Roy wanted to make sure he could tell the staff and his players before everybody knew before it leaked, but he's had several days to prepare. So I'm sure that he has a number of guys that he wants to talk to um, and is probably going to be having those conversations very soon. And so depending on how those go, I mean, one, one good question that was asked is this is a major job and yet we're still in COVID times. I mean, we're, we're still doing everything over zoom, right? And so how do you do interviews? If you know the person, you can do a phone call or zoom and it's not that big of a deal. But if you're not familiar with the candidate, I mean, you really need to sit down with them one-on-one, right? So you'd have to make that work. Uh, so that's, that's just one of the unique things of, of COVID that he's going to have to work through. Um, but if you get some of those meetings taking place very quickly, I mean, I think you can get this done, I don't know, maybe next week. That's just me Sunday. speculating. Uh, 36 hours is what, what it was for Fedora and uh, from Fedora to Mac. Uh, uh, so that would be tomorrow night, right? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but who knows? But that was I good think, math, Greg. I think uh, I worked on that earlier while you mentioned it. <laughs> I, I think I think the the idea that they get this done relatively quickly is more likely. Um, they are going to make sure they get the right hire. And so they're willing to spend a little bit more time on it while understanding that they need to get this solidified quickly to make sure, as we talked earlier about the, the one-time transfer rule, it's set to begin here very soon. You don't want to be behind schedule with that when that opens up. And so uh, sooner the better, and it could, it could be very soon. But uh, I don't have an exact timeline for you. So one follow-up, hold on. Let me – one follow-up. And, Greg, if you need to dip, I want you to do that. But does COVID affect this search? Does the, does the COVID factor come into play as far as getting guys in, flying guys in to interview or flying out to interview people in Indianapolis during the Final Four? I mean, does, is that playing a factor here? Is this – they're going to – Bubba's going to do – he says due diligence. I understand what that means. But does – in real world, does, does that apply? The only way I think that would possibly apply is if there's somebody in Indianapolis that's within the, in the bubble – and they want to have face-to-face, you would have to wait until after the championship game. Um, you, so Scott Drew? Right. I mean, we're, we're limited, right? Mark I mean, Few. Mark Few. Rhymes. Mark um, Few, Scott Drew. Literally call him on Monday. Hey, Mark, congrats on your national championship. You want to be the next head coach at UNC? We got to fly fishing tomorrow, right? I don't, I don't, I don't flip about North Carolina. I was going right? to say the same thing. I, was go, I don't give a yes about North Carolina at the moment. Yeah. We got to get the second Buddy Bernstein reference. But beyond that, I don't. I don't think. Beyond that, I don't think COVID is really going to be a factor, yeah. other than some of the initial conversations. If they're going to let idiots like me and Gregory into a room with Roy <laughs> that's Williams, that's exactly what I was like, going to say. They're not going to. I mean, they to can go. interview anybody. For what about in this most important decision? One thing I thought about though, Carolina is different. To Dewey's point, like you can't just come in blind and just be hired as a head coach. They kind of want you to meet people and like, Hey, you met this person, you met, you know, this person of the family. I, I, I do wonder about that. Like a zoom call with the chancellor Bubba and Roy, 
there's more to that than Carolina. So I do, I think it's a, I think it's a good question about how much it'll impact because you know, they, they'll want this coach to meet other people that are, that are heavily involved in the program. At least I, that'd be my guess. What does that happen at? Wouldn't that happen at any big program? I mean, you sure, but not, not, not just donors. I'm talking like former players and stuff oh, like that. Okay. I mean, it happens to every program, but yeah, but you know, I don't think these people are going to, they're all have to talk. Maybe it's over zoom. You know, is this our really Stackhouse segue? Because yes. if we don't address Stackhouse, I think the YouTube, chat will explode. YouTube is going to actually set fire to itself. Sherelle Stackhouse. <laughs> I mean, he's That's a, a nice former, curveball, Greg. I love that. Yeah, former Carolina player and the head coach at Vanderbilt. Um, I, I don't, I don't see, uh, see it as a fit right now. Um, I think some of the things that he's, you know, said or, or the way in which he's, I don't want to say behaved because that sounds patronizing, but some, the way in which he's presented himself at times this year maybe is not appealing to the powers that be. Um, and then, frankly, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, experience and everything. He hasn't had a great tenure at Vanderbilt. Um, I, f- personally, I don't know Jerry Stackhouse. I don't know anyone close to him. I have no inside information, but he just someone who's eventually going to go back to the NBA stay in the NBA it seems like he wanted to try college basketball you know maybe because one day he wanted to be the UNC head coach and it just isn't working out um so I I I think you know maybe he spends another year at Vanderbilt and then goes back to the NBA but I don't think he'll be a serious candidate uh for for, uh Bubba and for UNC this this cycle while we have Sherelle here I mean I know you talk about the roster a little bit but um I guess it's about keeping the players that are here here and then when that coach get hired, I mean, the process is what start going after the transfers, add add a couple recruits if need be, and then keep the two recruits. I mean, can you kind of go into the, the kind of the roster look, the things we, me and you've been talking about the last week? Yeah. So you know, pretty much we said everyone who was coming back wasn't going to make an announcement. So you can kind of you can kind of see who's going to come back. Um, Caleb Love obviously was a was a big one, uh, a very talented point guard. Um, and then you have the two signees. We spoke uh, with one of them. Uh, we spoke with one of them directly and one of them indirectly today. And they both seem to be like, you know, it's still UNC. This doesn't change anything for me at the moment. Um, and from there, uh, you have our Mondo Baycott, who I think, you know, we still aren't 100% sure on. Um, and then it's about attacking the transfer portal, like you said. What's interesting, and as someone who covers recruiting, I hate to use the word exciting today uh, because it's not an exciting day, but it's going to be very different for us because when you learn how a coach does things, um, is, especially a coach as regimented as Roy Williams over the course of 10, 15 years, it's very not easy, but it, it's easier to predict how they're going to build their roster and what they're going to look for. Um, and so if it is someone who's quote unquote outside the family, um, then, you know, we're kind of sh- shooting blind for lack of a better phrase, trying to figure out what they like, uh, what they're interested in, how they like to recruit. Are they more of a high school person? Do they like transfers? Do they understand that North Carolina doesn't typically take a lot of transfers because of transcripts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so there's that part of it. Um, and if then if it is someone who's, uh, you know, kind of in the family, then I think you have to say, well, Sure, Roy Williams ran that, but we don't know enough about the individuals and, and their philosophies, um, especially some of the assistants who may be, be in line for it, um, to really tell what kind of system they want to run. So one of the, you know, obviously, I'm not going to beat around the bush, like Hubert Davis is one of the names, right? So we don't really know exactly what his preferred style is, because he hasn't coached anywhere but UNC. Um, so that would be a wild card, and that would help to 
um, kind of figure out how the roster would look. So all that stuff is a part of it to figure out what they need, how they're going to get it. But uh, to Greg's point, it has to be soon and it has to be fast. Like, again, if there's not a coach by next weekend, I will be completely shocked. Um, I think this is a, a seven to nine day type deal. I mean, they, it's not even that it, it is a situation where, um, you know, I think they should rush and everything. It's that they have to um, or they're not going to be able to field a competitive team next year. It's, I mean, it's crazy what you're talking about. Like, yeah, you're going to have to shift how you approach covering recruiting because um, they're going to be recruiting different types of players or different types of offenses. Yeah, I going. mean, we're, we're all going to have to relearn yeah. stuff, you know, uh, and, and, as far as being on the beat. Like, it's, it's going to be – who knows? Rebounding might not be a thing anymore. The next yeah, coach yeah. will come in and say, I don't like rebounding. And it's going to be like, what? We're going to be so confused. And it's like, you know, the offer how Roy offers kids and the process right. of recruiting or offering is going to change – I know subscribers complain about being late to offers or late to getting in players, and that's going to be different. It's kind of similar to how a football coaching change works as well. Let me was, uh, let oh, sorry, go ahead, Tommy. Uh, Mr. Greg Barnes has got to dip out, and, and Greg, I want to say appreciate all the coverage you've had. Um, if you're an Inside Carolina subscriber, you know what Greg Barnes has meant to covering every major news story. Um, that has involved Carolina in what 18 years, Greg? 15 years you've been doing this stuff. 15, uh, yep. Uh, a long time. And who, ca- so, who counts when you're sleeping in your car, right? Like, it's, yeah. It's Greg, <laughs> Greg is currently in the Inside Carolina office and has plenty more work to do. So we're going to let Greg dip out and, and we're going to continue on with the InsideCarolina.com podcast. Greg, thanks, man. Absolutely. Finish strong, boys. We're finished strong. Hey, we Greg, got... who do you want to see I think, hired? I think now we have all the really serious people off when Greg hops out. Uh, Gregory, you you want to know my pick for hire? I well, think, the chat wants to know your pick. I don't really. I, give I think a damn I think the best. Me. I think the best choice for North Carolina as head basketball coach is uh, is going to be. <laughs> you... <laughs> He really was, went with the Sopranos answer, didn't he? I knew he was going to do that. That was, that, was that was awesome. That, that was epic. Let me, Sherelle, you Dude. sort of, you sort of stole my question when you said it's got to be fast. But <clears throat> I, I mean, how does this really change the game if it's not a Carolina guy? Because I feel like if it's a Carolina guy whether it's Wes or Hubert or whoever, then I, I don't see much difference. You know, I know Roy had his ways, and Roy had. Um, he certainly had the weight to to have the ways he has, but real if it's if it's Hubert or if it's Wes, I don't I don't see it being that much different. But is it really, um, or will it be when you're covering recruiting? Um, oh, it's it's an unknown. I mean, Hubert Davis has never recruited as a head coach before, um, <clears throat> and the way North Carolina is structured now, you know, Roy Williams kind of had the final say in offers and, and kind of how things work. So um, that is an unknown. You know, he could be the greatest recruiter of all time or he could be not great at all. I, I think we don't know. So that's that's kind of um, an appealing part, I guess, to some degree is you, you're betting on potential upside. I think with uh, someone in the family like Wes Miller, it would be the same thing. You've seen him do well uh, at UNCG. He's gotten some some good players. I think players who would go to other power five, you know, or go to power five um, schools, but it is a completely different animal when you're talking about North Carolina. And I think he understands that. Um, and then, you know, Wes, if you look at some of his, his profile on uh, Kim Palm, uh, you kind of see, I look at tempo because I think um, 
germane to UNC is the secondary break is up-tempo basketball. I think that's something that whether people like it or not is going to be asked of uh, the new coach. It's going to be like, well, what style do you play? And if it's a, a slogging, you know, uh, 40 points per game, you know, pack line, it's not going to happen. No disrespect to anyone who runs that and runs it well. But that's, I don't think, I don't think the former players, I don't think the fans will, will go for that. Um, so I think that's something that uh, Bubba Cunningham has to consider. But looking at Wes's profile, his tempo um, is, it kind of goes up and down. Like it starts off, it, you know, playing really Roy Williams style you know, basketball. And then I'm not sure what happened if recruiting changed, it dipped very, very low. And then over the last couple of years, a slight uptick. So one of the things that tells me is that he's not averse to change and that he will kind of uh, mold his style and mold his um, X's and O's based upon the roster in which he has, um, which is always a good thing for a head coach. So I think that's why it would be a little bit different because I think he would recruit, you know, very well, maybe not at Roy Williams level, um, but then he would mold that talent um, based upon or mold his system and what he wants to do based upon the available talent and not the other way around. Well, let me ask you this. When Roy Williams makes his recruiting pitches and you're talking to recruits and all this stuff, is it more about I want to play for Roy Williams or I want to play for UNC, or is it really a mixture? Because I think that plays a role in recruits. Because if it is Hubert Davis or West Miller, the, the pitch isn't come play for me as much like with compared to Roy Williams, as much as it is, look, we're still UNC. This is the Carolina way. This is what we're going to do. This is where we want to go. This is how we're going to use you to get there. Like what's the, what do you, what have you seen in the past and how do you think that changes? Yeah. Uh, the pitch from uh, Roy Williams. Well, I'll put it this way. Kids might say like, oh, it'd be awesome to play for Roy Williams. But the pitch from everyone from Roy, Roy Williams on down across his staff is this is an amazing place. North Carolina is a fantastic program. You'll get a great education. I went here. I sent my sons here. My daughters went here. All these guys are like my sons. They go here. Um, I would tell anyone that North Carolina is the best university in the world. That is the pitch. That's where it starts. And then you get into family and then you get into oh I've also put this many players in the NBA and I've won national championships but it always starts with this is a special place you should come here because it's wonderful uh, I've been here it's great I wouldn't steer you wrong so it's more about the program than it is about any individual um, and, and that's any individual ever it's always about North Carolina the school and the program first and then everything else comes after that I want to ask Ives uh, Brian what did you do to piss Roy off today so that he shouted you out in the middle of, the, in the middle of his, his going away press conference how about that you know i you know i i don't know maybe uh maybe they did one ESPN stats, may, maybe they did one too one too many coach k tweets or something and he's out there but i don't know uh what one thing i was gonna say you talked about wes uh he pressed last season on 35 percent of opponents possessions when was the last time you see north carolina press for a third of an entire game been a minute not saying you would do that at that level but um, Wes, different style. He's not, he's not Roy Williams, essentially. Like he's, when you think, oh, UNC family, he's, he's different. You know, he's going to do different things. He's not married to a system. So to Rel's points, varies. And, but, and, but yeah, the, but yeah, Roy the, calling me out. That's ridiculous. But the thing is too, Brian, there are things <laughs> in, his, in what he does, like little pieces that he's taken from Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge and Coach Williams that make the new you know, whatever he has now. And I think that's what coach Williams did with coach Smith. 
Like if you look at how Coach Smith coached and you look at how Roy coaches, yeah, there's some similarities, but it's bits and pieces that he's taken from different people and moved it forward. And were you to Tommy asked about style, were you to pick someone like Wes or like Hubert Davis from the family or whatever, I think that's what you would see. You would see bits and pieces of all these different people who have impacted all the way back to Larry Brown and George Carl and some of the stuff they ran. You'd see all these bits and pieces mixed into what is ever the new Carolina system. And then, you know, in either four years, if things go bad or 25 years, if things go good, you'll see the next Carolina coach mix in some things from coach Miller or coach Davis or whoever, and keep it moving. And I think that's what, um, when I when I go back to and these are my closing remarks. <laughs> when I go back to the not right, yet. Guy, not yet. You're not. When, <laughs> when I go back to the right guy versus the best guy, that's what I mean between right and best. So, I think that's where it's at. Hey, the, been... the chat's like the chat's like clamoring for more VIP. I, I think we all need to just mute ourselves. Let VIP monologue. Yeah, I was about to ask uh, Rel a follow up question because he had mentioned that. The, the pitch for North Carolina has always been about the school and not the coach, but from the sense that I kind of get, like, I don't know if you bring in a Wes or a Hubert Davis that you're, you're getting those McDonald's all Americans. And it's, it's kind of hard for me to see one of those kind of coaches come in and have them compete at the level for those McDonald's all Americans when they're getting recruited by Cal and they're getting recruited by K and they're getting recruited by Mark few now. So I think there's, for me, when you bring in somebody like that, you're going to miss out on some of those high profile, the McDonald's All-Americans, but they also do get the chance there to kind of hit that, the 30 to like maybe like 150 mark where you can get guys and develop them into three, four year players where Carolina kind of has struggled recently when you do have one and dones like a guy like Kobe White, but Rel, I was just kind of curious on your take. Do you think if you bring in a guy like Hubert or bring in a guy like Wes, that they would struggle to get the McDonald's All-Americans, the high-profile guys who every coach in college is going after? Uh, I think a lot of it would have to do with the staff that is around them, because um, that's a big deal. Uh, your assistants um, do a lot of heavy lifting on the side uh, at tournaments and watching guys and keeping up relationships and texting and calling and all that good stuff. So tell me who the assistants are. I think that's a big deal. Um, but then I would ask the philosophical question back to you on that. Like, why, why do you need McDonald's All-Americans? Like, I, I know that I, I cover recruiting, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stabbing myself in the back. But, like, I just don't know that getting, like, top 10, top 15 guys with the way that college basketball is changing is really a necessity. Um, I think too often, you know, those type guys – there are certain things that come with them. And I don't know if that comes with players, you know, say who are in the top 100. I, I just personally, I don't, I love the NBA. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't really care about like when it comes to Carolina about whether or not guys get to the NBA. I know that is their ultimate goal. So it is a part of what the pitch has to be for the new coach, but like, it's about winning. It's about winning games and getting better in college and winning championships. So I think the pitch should be, uh, kind of sorted or or directed towards guys who have that as one of their top priorities it doesn't have to be their only priority but i think it needs to be one of their top priorities like if winning a national championship isn't in the top five things of why you're going to play to a specific school i don't think you know you should in in my world i wouldn't recruit you um no matter how talented you are just because it's so hard to build rosters and so hard to build continuity um these days and that's what's that's what wins so um 
<clears throat> I don't know. I think they could do it, but I don't know if they should do it. Is I guess is the way I would phrase it. It, yeah, it goes back to what I said, right? I said last week, do you want to win national championships or you want to get to the league? You can find guys that want to do both though, right? Yeah, I think the – It's the, tough. It's I, mean, tough Cole Anthony, I think Cole Anthony wanted to do both. Was it the 2014 class where you get Justin Jackson, Theo, and Joe Barry, all McDonald's, all Americans, all turned yeah. into three, four-year players that eventually brings Carolina a national championship. So I think it is kind of finding that middle ground and how you can recruit the, the best of players but also find guys who – are three, four-year guys who aren't just thinking, how can I get to the NBA the fastest way possible? And then- that's the thing a lot of people, a lot of people, I don't think recognize is that, you know, you talk about why didn't recruit Roy recruit this guy or why didn't Roy recruit that guy because he knew he wasn't going to get him to campus. And a lot of those things have always kind of been, this is who Roy is, this is who he recruits, this is who North Carolina is, this is who they recruit. Those have kind of been interchangeable, but the the next whoever the next staff is, you wonder if that's going to be a continued mantra, or are they going to reach more like like Vip said? Are they going to reach more for these only going after McDonald's All American guys, or are they going to go the the two to three year route? Sherelle's probably more uh, apt to speak on that, but I, I think that's going to be a really neat dynamic to watch. Yeah, I, and I would say it can definitely be both. I, I don't mean to imply that it can't. I just know that a lot of times it's not. And I mean, guys, like, just, let's be honest, too. Like, not everybody, it's not a level playing field. So if you take the top 30 and assume uh, for whatever reason they're not recruitable for Carolina, for whatever reason, you know, just knock off 10 guys there. And then, so that's 20 guys left. And then you're competing with all the other schools for those 20 players. And then say of those 20, you know, nine have bad attitudes and, and don't want to win. And they have the sole goal of getting to the NBA. And that's all they care about. You're down to like 11 guys out of the top 30 who are really in the wheelhouse for UNC. And then you have to compete with all the other schools for those 11 guys. So it's difficult to find, you know, someone who is motivated to win a championship, someone who's motivated to get better, and someone who's motivated to also play in the NBA. It's just a tough balancing act. And to your point, Taylor, um, we don't know if, uh, you know, the two kind of in-house candidates um, that we know of are, are can do that. But I think um, you have to give them a chance. If you do go that route, you definitely have to give them a chance to find out and surround them with a really good staff. Yeah, and I think watching Wes Miller at UNCG, like he might not be able to pull the, the biggest and the best recruits, but you've seen a proven track record of him being able to develop players into players like Isaiah Miller where they're going to the NCAA tournament. But I just wanted to get your take on that, Cheryl. So appreciate it as always. No, it's a good question. It's a good point. I mean, someone in the chat brought up one of your favorite people, Serge Zwicker. Give him the keys to the castle, <laughs> is what was said. Where did we just we just from? sharing anything from the chat I, now, I Gregory? Is I that know, really, up? man. You're supposed well, to you, like you. You, you zero. You talk, I love some Serge Zwicker. The dude made. I just had to, I just had to bring it up. That here's is, a name. Here's a name that another name that's brought up. Just like how people were like, "What about Stack King Rice?" Another name that people are asking about, why aren't we talking about King Rice when we talk about Carolina family and stuff? I will say this. Having listened to King Rice speak about Roy Williams when Binghamton played, or excuse me, when Monmouth played in Chapel Hill uh, several years ago when I covered that game, I haven't heard many people speak about what Carolina means to them more eloquently, except for maybe Roy Williams today, than King Rice. Uh and let me say this. I interviewed Shimon Williams today. That dude loves Carolina. 
Oh, he was he, on this podcast with Joey and I. And he'd be a, he'd be a great. He's been an assistant coach in college. He'd be a great kind of Carolina family guy to bring in as an assistant coach as well. I mean, those he, are the kind of things you're thinking about. Bring Ross, Rick, he, Rick Stansberry with him. Hey Ross, was uh was Shaman at the press conference today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, th- I thought I saw him. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was. Not good. There were a lot of people that I didn't even see. They were there. I mean, Wes Miller was there. Tyler Hansborough was there. Um, Wes Miller was there. Hmm, yeah, Marvin was. was there. Um, Zeller, Brandon Robinson. Zeller, yeah, there. I didn't even see Zeller. I mean, the photos that uh, Jim Hawkins got it revealed that a lot of people. Yeah, so I don't even know where Zeller lives now. Like, yeah, but was Mark in? Few there? Right. Mark Few flew in and then he flew back. Good. Got back. Is that a- is that no, official? Mark, Mark Few was not there. Fart Mew where, was there. Where does Zeller live? Does Zeller live in Charlotte? Um, I mean, he played for – no, that was his brother. Cody played for – His brother's still there. He's, I'm sure he's there a lot. Look, since Greg Barnes got out of this podcast, <laughs> he's gone downhill. Evolved. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, we're just having fun. Yeah, we got yeah. all the serious Shot guys The people in the chat – we lost 100 people since oh, Greg Barnes left. Oh, and yeah. that's not a coincidence. This, Greg's fan club uh, <laughs> yeah. has left. We just wait till Sherelle and Ross leave. Then it's going to basically be well, like, well, we're all going to leave my together. Mom, my mom and Tommy's wife are going to be like, yeah. <laughs> my, my wife's not even in it. She's at the beach and she's like, I'm going to the beach. See you later. Uh, the Tommy Ashley life right there. Yeah, really. I'm going uh, Saturday after Inside Carolina Live that we'll have more on this uh, with Joey Powell and I. Absolutely going fishing. Let, let's talk about what we want. You know, we don't ever talk about what we want personally on this podcast uh it costs a lot of money joey uh gregory hall i'll ask you first uh what do you expect what would you like to see in chapel hill you've covered them a fair amount over the last couple of years nate oats okay next ross martin where do you think this will go <laughs> where do you think this will go um i think i, I agree with sherelle this has got to happen quick um so well, that after, leads me to my belief, but go I ahead, mean, Ross. After listening to Dewey and Sherelle, I mean, I guess you think Hubert or Wes. Who do you want, Ross? Who do I want? Who would you like to see as a – Who would you like to cover Is somebody season? that likes to cover UNC sports, that enjoys the uh, excitement of covering and the clicks of covering, who would you like to see at Carolina? Who I want? God, I don't even know. Eight Oats would give you the best quotes, I think. The best quotes, yeah. The now I want to see that offense. That's why cool. I chose Nate Oates. Is that all threes or dunks? Is that Nate Oates? Yeah, Gregory he like, so he like uh, right Nate Oates. <laughs> and I'm choosing Alabama guy, all right? Y'all know what I Oh, that's right. You're at all. You're Nate Oates uh, devalues two-point like two jump shots. Yeah, because two-point jump shots are Mute. valuable. Mute. Great. Once they go oh. in. All right, let me think. Come back to the reality on them. All right, Ross, we'll come back to you. Brian Ives. Uh if you had to lay money on who might be this next guy at North Carolina, who would it be? There's the question more than I want. Um, that's, a different I think, qu- that's a different question. Yep, I think it, I think uh, I would go, it's a close race between Hubert and Wes. I don't think, um, I mean, no, I don't think anyone really knows, but I think that would be the inclination. Hubert Davis or Wes Miller would be where I would lay my money. Although I saw sheet is 3 million to one. That's worth $10. <laughs> I'm going I'm to step in here. It feels like we're almost guiding this search i can assure you bubba cunningham's not yeah, watching I, this I going think so. i'm thinking this you give yourself like... way too much credit ross they no 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 bubba gave me his number once i texted him and he, he never... said new phone who this <laughs> <laughs> uh taylor ripless uh you talk to a lot of guys you know a lot of these guys what's the feeling 
Um, I think it's going to be uh, Hubert or Wes. Um, now, do I think they're the best person for the job? I, I don't really know too much about that. Um, but I think just hearing Dewey speak about somebody like um, speak about somebody like Coach uh, Coach Wes, uh, Coach Miller, that he would be an exciting option. It's somebody who you don't have to worry about him or Hubert taking this job and then looking at it like a stepping stone job. Like if you did get somebody uh, maybe from the NBA, like, like other people have mentioned. Um, so I think getting that stability while also being a Carolina guy would be the ideal scenario in, in my ideal scenario, I would try to get the best coach available, but the people that I'm thinking about Mark few, Jay Wright, Brad Stevens, I don't think they're they're picking up the phone or they're going to be interested in the UNC job. Um, so so if I had to go with a realistic option, I think it would be Wes or Hubert. Sherelle, you kind of squirming in your chair. You know I'm coming your way. <laughs> um, you know, if I'm totally honest, I kind of love Jay Wright, but I, that's not happening. That's, that's not a chance. But if I was a guy that could – pick the next Carolina coach I just like that guy I mean and my wife loves him Sherelle, Tommy it's okay to say he's attractive That's yeah he, he's a good looking dude even though I'm married uh, happily <laughs> Sherelle uh, I mean you've covered this stuff a lot and you certainly cover a lot of these the recruiting aspect and the transfer portal and all that stuff where do you see it heading I, I think we've all said it uh, <clears throat> I'd be surprised if it wasn't you know Wes Miller or someone who's an assistant coach at North Carolina at the moment, uh, just for all the reasons we talked about for the last couple of hours. Um, you know, if in an ideal world, like pie in the sky, like perfect, you can get who you want. Yeah. I think Mark few is probably the number one option, the first call and all that. Cause I think, uh, him and Roy Williams have a good relationship. I think the way he plays basketball is, is a style that would be pleasing to North Carolina fans. And then he's proven himself time and time again, hasn't won a national championship, but you know, like the Roy Williams thing was like, was I, was I a better or worse coach because I won one less game kind of deal. Um, so he would be the absolute home run best possible hire at the moment. But I do think, you know, you come back to the two guys, you talk about right choice versus best choice. And I think Wes Miller or um, Hubert Davis or, you know, an, an assistant would be the right choice. And I would say I want anyone but Nate Oates. Is there any reason that we should hear from anybody else? Gregory Hall is completely silent. I'm going to close this podcast, guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I was going I, I to make a – I said, got one. The right choice, Jay Wright. Come on now. It just writes itself. It just right, writes itself. I can see that so, headline now. Tommy, Tommy, can I throw one out or you want to make me wait till Saturday? No, you can throw one out and then Ross looks like he wants to say something. So I, I, I think the right choice versus best choice is going to be Sherelle's uh, what is greater than how. That's yes. like the, the, the yes. new adage for Sherelle's. Uh, you Sherelle's. guys know each other, though. Y'all grew up in Fayetteville, so y'all like. <laughs> Um, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to throw somebody out that I don't know how realistic it is, but I would love to see him. And I think he would be successful at North Carolina. Uh, Billy Donovan. I have no clue how, you know, if he'd even answer the phone, if he would come back to college. Um, but I, I love what he did at, uh, at Florida. He's, he's got instant credibility. He's got two national titles. I know he and Roy had a kerfuffle at one point in time. Don't know where that stands with regard to his relationship with North Carolina. But if, if, if Joey Powell has any say and gets a preference, Billy Donovan's my phone call. Can't be benching Kobe White, though. 
True. That is that, interesting because my Kobe son White? is because he's going to bring Kobe back to UNC. <laughs> did he really bench Kobe White? I didn't he know did. That. Yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Ross Martin. Jeez. I don't oh. watch any NBA. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I just think we're talking Jay Wright and Mark Few. I think those are super unrealistic. Um, I'd love to see Bubba kick the tires on those guys, but as a lifestyle guy, I'm a big lifestyle guy. Um, I don't see Mark Few leaving Washington State where he can now get five stars. He can now get transfers. He can now go to Final Fours and, and compete for national championships. I don't see leaving at age, I think he's 58, leaving the comforts of that for, for UNC. I just don't see it. And then same with uh, Jay Wright. I mean, he, Jay Wright's won two national titles um, at uh, Villanova. I think he's from Philadelphia, or at least from that area. A lot of family around there. I mean, the, the comforts of, of being the man there and then all of a sudden diving into Carolina basketball, which is this, this massive undertaking. I just don't see that happening either. So we're talking about these two guys, which I would love to see either, either of those guys, um, but I just don't think it's realistic. So then you step down to like, what's next? And if you're going to hire some upstart coach, I don't think, I don't know why you want to go with Wes Miller. It doesn't seem like there's, there's a couple other hot coaches around the nation as well, but I don't think there's anyone that's kind of, you know, much better than Wes Miller at that point. Um, and the Hubert thing's a whole a different animal. A guy who doesn't have any head coaching experience, hasn't been any other place than UNC, but is uh, super well respected. And from all we hear, great guy and probably can recruit and knows the system and has the blessing of Roy Williams. So, other than those two guys, I don't know. I don't know where else you would even turn. It's interesting. Elvin, uh, you Elvin don't. Samson. Oh my God! Don't. Yeah. Don't muddy oh, up dude, our podcast. Go ahead, I've Brian. got a better chance of being the coach than I've got. Does. I've got like an eloquent outro to this yeah, podcast. Yeah. So y'all, y'all go about, ahead. And then about get... five years ago, ten years ago, I was all aboard the Thad Mata train because if you'd look at him, he was pretty young, um, retired health issues. Um, Chris Holtman's probably a guy that doesn't that is maybe attainable from another coach. That's probably the only like area that I would see outside the family if they were really going to go for a relatively big name. But he'd be the more attainable guy to me if you're going to ask that question. Didn't Mata get hired to be somebody's uh, mentor? Indiana, yeah. Yeah, yep, just recently. So uh, when I was in the Bahamas covering the uh, the battle for Atlantis last uh, – I guess it was 2019. Ross was there. Humble brag. I, I saw – yeah, absolutely. I saw Roy Williams – sitting on the bench outside the Atlantis um, as we were fixing to leave Ross when we were going to the airport and Roy looked as content and as healthy as I've ever seen him to see him these last couple years and especially the last couple of months was just a stark difference so props to him to to hang it up and to be able to get on the golf course and live his life he certainly deserves it um for me, I don't see it going outside of the Carolina family. I just don't see it. And maybe it'll happen. We'll find out sooner than later, I think. Um, but I think there's something about Carolina that's different. I referenced on Inside Carolina Live um, when we were talking about these guys transferring, that it's not the well or the bell, it's the stone walls. It's the people. And I think that's what drives this coaching hire. So we'll see what happens when – uh, Bubba Cunningham and the crew makes a decision for who's going to be the next coach at North Carolina. Um, but this has been a hell of a podcast. Uh, I mean, this has been inside Carolina live for the ages. 
Megacast, Tommy. Megacast. Megacast. Uh, Joey Powell, Gregory Hall, man in the, the YouTube live stream. Ross Martin, as always, covering the beat. Greg Barnes joined us earlier. He dipped out to get to work so he could bring you everything uh, that you guys need to know. Sherelle McMillan, who's got his footprint or his uh, finger on the pulse of everything in North Carolina. Brian Ives, I mean, if I'm an intern in Inside Carolina, that's the guy I look to. And Taylor Vipolis. Tate Frazier. And, and then uh, Gregory Hall again. And yeah, Tate Frazier. Shout yeah, you're Tate. right. You're Tate's right. Shout Tate, out Tate. Shout yeah. I, didn't, I didn't text him to see if he wanted to join us, but maybe we will next time. <laughs> he and would Luke, have just big time you anyway, Tom. He probably yeah. had his own podcast with I'm not Titus. big on big time. You big time me once and we're done. Uh, and Luke Buxton, the vaccine guy, he uh, had to dip out early. And Dewey Burke, of course, has joined us on the Inside Carolina podcast for many years. A Roy guy and offered uh, certainly a Roy um, statement when he was here with us earlier. Guys, it's been fun. Johnny T-Shirt's our sponsor. Rate us, review us, and subscribe, of course. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it, boys. Late. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.